Welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host, and this is my podcast. You guys, my guest today is comedian Whitmer Thomas. But before I get into him and how wonderful he is and all that he is up to, I have to say, LA is a fucking inferno. Uh, I'm actually recording this podcast in my underwear, hiding in my Prius, because it's the only place I have air conditioning. It's insane. Uh, Earlier tonight, I thought it would be a fun idea to get revved up to do this intro by uh, dancing in front of my photo booth, uh, playing Adele's, some Adele song. I can't remember the name of it is. It's like, uh, good luck with her, have a great time with your new girlfriend, or I wish you well with your new love, you jerk, or whatever the name of the song is, but it's a hit right now in pop culture, and I just discovered it. (laughs) And I thought, uh, I thought, you know what? I'm not usually a huge Adele fan, but this makes me feel feelings, and uh, I am boiling in my apartment, and I need to get revved up for the podcast. So I danced a ton and wore myself out, and um, here I am, hiding in my Prius. And I actually can't even do the intro in my Prius with the air conditioning on, because... I just can't. It's too long an explanation to get into. So I better get to the goddamn point before I start boiling and overheating yet again. So here's the deal. Whitmer Thomas, uh, he is a comedian. He's a filmmaker. He's an actor. He's a writer. And he's part of a comedy collective called Power Violence. Uh, Power Violence is made up of Bud Diaz and Clay Tatum and uh, Whitmer Thomas. And they are all so talented. They are so hilarious. And they have a live monthly comedy show they do every third Sunday uh, of the month at a place called The Satellite here in Los Angeles definitely go. Run, don't walk. I'll be there. Why wouldn't you be? Um, You can also check out Whitmer's animated series called Stone Quackers, available on Hulu. Uh, You can follow Whitmer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Whitmer Thomas. And even more important, if you do nothing else, please watch the Power Violence short films. They are incredible. One is called The Buddhist. The other is called Blue Line. Oh my God. I mean, they, these short films are so inspiring to me. You have no idea. Uh, I think Blue Line actually was chosen as a Vimeo staff pick this week. So, you know, if you need even more reason to watch something great and be entertained and laugh and feel uh, inspired as well, uh, I think I've done my part. Okay. Haven't I said enough? Uh, They're so well done. They're funny. They're subtle. I love them. And um, there you go. I also want to say, um, side note of a side note, I made a short film and maybe that's why I'm so inspired by the power violence guys, because I also, uh, am fascinated by films and, uh, I, I intend on to make a feature film and I just made a short film called love Alexi. Um, and I screened it a few months ago or maybe a month ago at CineFamily, but it wasn't available. I did not unlock the video on Vimeo. And now I have the video. The video is unlocked. It's uh, you can you can watch it. Uh, it's about a it's a dark comedy about a breakup, about obsession, and um, you know if any of you out there have ever spiraled and uh, been heartbroken or had a feeling or felt feelings at all in your entire life, maybe you'll like this short film. It's called Love Alexi. Find it on all of my social media. It's very easy to find. Uh, go to my uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Alexi Wasser. And uh, I hope you like it. Also, I want to thank everybody who came out to the comedy show uh, that the Love Alexi podcast put on this this past week at Junior High on Hollywood Boulevard, a very cool nonprofit. Um, 
Whitmer Thomas performed. He was incredible. The lineup was fantastic. It was uh, Whitmer, Brent Weinbach, Casey Jane Ellison, Andre Vermeulen, Donnie Devanian, Chase Bernstein, Andrew Michon. Uh, it was a great show. Thank you for everybody to everybody for coming out. It was so funny because I mean everybody was laughing, and uh, but some people seem very like just composed. Beautiful. There are a lot of beautiful composed people there, and uh, and then afterwards, a few days after the show, I got you know the next day I got all these like direct messages from those composed beautiful people who uh, you know weren't laughing out loud as much as the other people. And uh, they showed their appreciation via secretly DMing me. So that's so interesting how some people just feel like that they prefer to express themselves uh, silently behind closed doors on social media. And that's fine. Just something I'm noticing uh, in the culture. Anyway, um, Whitmer and I have a beautiful, meandering, lovely conversation. Uh, we talk about a million different things. We talk about breakups, moving to L.A., house parties, being broke, showbiz, Tinseltown, UCB, hopes, dreams, love, relationship, security, being single, Tinder, trust, dating, how he and his power violence collective met and came to be, which really inspires me, by the way. Uh, the power violence boys uh, friendship makes me wish I were uh, a skateboarding man. Because uh, I just wish I could just hang with their crew. I just feel like there's something different about platonic male friendships that I will never be able to access or experience as a woman. And uh, maybe that's politically incorrect somehow. Maybe I'm offending people by saying that. I have uh, many platonic friendships with men. I have my friends with girl. I have lots of girlfriends. I have my gay boyfriends, my gay girlfriends. Lots of different types of friendships. But there is something about... Just boys being boys, having a bromance. You know, these just these power violence guys. They're so creative and silly and fun and living their gosh darn lives. I just feel it's something I uh, I can't experience on my own and it, it makes me furious. But uh, I love them. I'm inspired by them. Anyway, um, Wit tells me an amazing story of him performing at the satellite at one of the power violence nights with his hero, Mark Hoppus from Blink-182. It's such an exciting story. How incredible is that? Whitmer moves to Los Angeles and ends up on stage performing with one of his heroes. It's just like, that's one of the great things about Los Angeles. Tinseltown, baby. Anyway, um, listen, I think I've said it all. I think I've said enough. And uh, if you like this this podcast, if you like the Level XE podcast, subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment. Rate the show. Tell your friends. It really does help me grow the show so I can continue to, to interview amazing creative people who inspire me who might very well inspire you and uh you know now i'm gonna shut the fuck up so you can enjoy my conversation with the deep thinking hilarious uber talented kind and thoughtful comedian whitmer thomas now entering nerdist.com oh my god you smell so clean i know i just oh you just bathe yeah all right, shower. Slept late today. Do you, do you need this? No, it's okay. My nose is always dripping. Hello? Really? <clears throat> yeah, it's always. Uh, <laughs> thanks for the your, water. And the little mini guide, too. Ah, uh, baby water. It's all on Nerdist. Aquapod. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Aquapod. Um, turning off my phone, getting grounded in my truth. Thank thanks you for doing this. Thanks for having oh me. Oh, we're so official. This is a great... <laughs> Move that. All right. Feeling good. You got your set list ready and prepared. He's taking his phone out. Wait, set list? I'm what just joking. Mean? I don't know. Uh -oh. You're like, look, what's 
How come everybody has these phones with like the flap things? What, um, what? I do it because it it helps where I can. Oh wow! Like if I need to film something, we're on a podcast, an auditory thing, so just explain to people what you just did. Oh, you, I, so you, it, it lets me like fold up the flap, and then it, it'll stay up you, when I film. You fold the flap, it stays. Oh, you can you film yourself? You can just film yourself. You would do stand up, yeah. Oh, that's great! You film your sets if I have to. Why? Why would you have to? Uh, if I'm like submitting for a late night kind of spot. Oh, weird. it's never worked down. It hasn't because maybe no. you're shooting from too low. Maybe ah, it's a bad be. look. I don't know. I'll hold it for you. Just tell me when you're going to do it. I'll, uh, I'll, I want to help any way I can. Okay. Okay. Look at my brother. Oh, my God. And his baby. Hold on one second. Oh, my goodness. Already a tangential journey here with Whitmer Thomas, comedian. Uh, that's my brother and my uh, new nephew who's one named Ronan. How old is your brother? I think he's like 33. He's 33? Yeah. Very handsome. What does he do? He's a surfer. He's a surfer. Does he live I here? I mean, he has a blind business as well, but I think he's mostly a surfer. What's a blind business? Like he installs blinds into houses. Oh, and He's God. also a musician. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is about you, though. Let's get back on track. This is amazing. How oh, many... God. <laughs> oh, my God. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I haven't been up here in a long time. Oh, um, listen. Sorry. Let me get this straight. <laughs> okay. So, so we set the motherfucking stage. Okay, sorry. You're a comedian. Mm-hmm. You're an actor. Mm-hmm. You direct. Mm-hmm. You're part of a comedy group, troop group. We say collective. Comedy collective because they are cool. They are not dorks. Okay. Right. Called power violence. Right. Mm-hmm. You skateboard. Oh, yeah. I refer to you as my friend, mm-hmm. even though we don't know each other that well, but we see each other here and there. Yeah, I feel like, I, but I like, I care for you. I'm a fan of yours from afar. I think only good thoughts of you. I'm so glad. Okay. So you did the, that love Alexi, whatever that was, that uh, stand up comedy show that yeah. I was like, oh, put together a comedy show. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for having me. You're showing off your guns right now. You're it's just, warm. You can't, it is warm. I don't have guns also just to paint the picture. <laughs> you really do. Now you're like, so I can't, I'm focused though. Okay. So these are all, these are, this is what you do. Yeah. And, uh, and this, this episode of this podcast is a love letter to you. Okay. This oh wait, is, that's what this is. I mean, not really. I mean, this is going to be like asking you a bunch of questions about you and like getting getting digging real deep. Anything you don't want to answer, you don't have to answer. Just tell okay. me. Tell me to shut the fuck up. Tell me you need to edit it out. That's fine. None of my business. But, okay. But I'm going to ask you what I want to. Okay. So uh, wait, are you single? Yeah. You're single. Oh yeah. Um, how did I meet you? I don't know how we met. Well, I know the first time we hung out, but I don't know why. I don't. I think we hung out to talk about a podcast or something, or like a rate some something that maybe you wanted me to be a part of. Oh, okay. At Cafe One Hundred One. This, I think, but I don't remember how or why. It was like four years ago. Okay, I was thinking more than about that. This. Oh, really? It was like five, four or five years ago. Oh, maybe it was four. I years think, ago. yeah, because it was like four or five years ago. I met you because I couldn't remember either. Um, Whitmer is now <laughs> caressing his back. Um, I just got himself... a tattoo. Oh, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Wait, yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Now we're all over the place. But uh, I met you four or five years ago because Angela Trimber, I was pitching some show mm-hmm. with Moshe Kasher. We sold some show. This is like years ago with the dumbest title called That's What She Said. Just like something oh, horrible. Nice. I know. It was a horrible title. It was like some kind of like pop culture, weird, unnecessary show that does not need to exist or whatever. And then he ended up getting a job to write on a TV show. And then I needed to find other up and coming cool 
special comedians to potentially like take his place for this show that we sold to E. Mm-hmm. And then Angela Trimber, I had just met. God, it's like this weird tapestry of uh, of people in this comedy podcasting whatever fucking community anyway but she angela trimber was like i'm gonna give you a list of all the greatest people in the comedy world right now and it was you uh it was uh you thomas middleditch um i think that's it i don't know it's like it's like a list of like 20 people it was like harris whittles thomas middleditch you blah blah all these people and wow that's I, nice of her yeah and she like gave it's me a good disc- list it's a good list i mean it's like a list is like of like 20 people and then she gave me little descriptions of each person and, and links. Like, she really knew what she was doing. I wish I knew my description. I mean, I could pull that email up real quick. But, bad boy with a heart of gold. Bad boy, B-O-I. <laughs> yeah, totally. Skateboards, too. Um, but, uh, and I think, isn't that why we met? Didn't she, like, set something up for us? Uh, maybe. I really, I couldn't tell you. And to me, it was like a work thing. Oh, yeah, Barry Rothbart was on that uh, list. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um Anyway, oh, but, man. Uh, and then we we talked for a long time, about long time, lots yeah. of stuff. Yeah, at the one on cried. Did I cry? Yeah. No, I did not. Yeah, you did. Did I really? Yeah, you cried. You started crying, <laughs> and I had just met you. <laughs> did I really? Yeah. yeah. Why? Uh, I don't. I think I had told you some sad thing about my life, and you started crying. Don't leave that part out of it. Don't be like. Then you started. <laughs> By the way, I did that. Yesterday uh, with somebody, uh, <laughs> somebody else. <laughs> Nothing has changed, but I, I, I don't even remember what we talked about, but I have realized just now I'm not growing at all. <laughs> or, <laughs> or like I'm super authentic or whatever. No, but, uh, I think it's good. Um, yeah, then we talked for a really long time. And then I don't think we ended We didn't end up pitching a show together. But mm-hmm. we we're like, that was cool. Now I have a new friend in the world and he's great and a special person. And then you helped me buy a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And we hung out. And it wasn't a date, but I was like... This feels like a date, but it's not a date. Is it a friend date? Oh, my God. I sexualize everything. What's wrong with me? Why do I need to move at a rapid pace? Why do I need to contextualize this as a date? Mm-hmm. You were just being nice. and buying, Why were you buying a Christmas tree with me? Just to be a nice, cool well, friend? We went and had another meeting. And then oh. afterwards, you were like, I need to buy a Christmas tree. And it was like down the street. So I just went with you. Oh. And I'm like, it, a big hot date. <laughs> it, well, no, I think oh, we Earth just had Cafe. a nice connection. Yeah. And it was fun. And we went and got a Christmas tree. And it was sweet. And um, I got home. Oh, yeah, you were dating someone. I had gotten in big trouble. I wasn't dating someone, but I was hooking up with my roommate. Oh, my God. And um, I told her, oh, me and Alexi, who I think she was, like, aware of you. Well, that's good. And was, like, Like maybe intimidated by you because you're pretty. And um, (laughs) look at myself in the mirror. I have, like, all my fucking insecurities. Oh, come on. None of that. None of that. I know. I got to talk about that, too. Okay, Uh, I'm gone. So, and then she got really upset that, and she was like, what did y'all do? And I said, oh, we went and uh, had coffee and then went and got a Christmas tree. Yeah, the most romantic date for a non-date ever. She was like, because I think I maybe got one, too, and and brought it to the house where we lived. And, uh, and she was, like, mad, real mad at me. And, uh, I don't think we... I think after that, I, I was, I was like confused about um, what my relationship was with her because she was very adamant about like not having real feelings. You know what I mean? Oh. And so I was like, "What the hell? I don't get what's going on here." Yeah. And then, uh, and then, what happened was, well, do you remember what happened after that? No, tell me. 
So then, oh no, did I do something horrible? Not horrible, no. Okay. Uh, then it was it was Christmas time. Okay. I went back to Alabama. Oh yeah. Where, um, I had been texting you. Okay. But it wasn't you. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> well, then of course I don't remember. But oh, yeah. okay. No, I but do. then when I got back to LA, you called me, and we're like. Hey, are we not friends anymore? Because we like hung out two times and it was really nice. And then we didn't. I didn't talk to you. And I was like, "What are you talking about? You haven't responded to any of my text messages." <gasps> Thank God I called you. Uh, yeah. Go on. And uh, I no, was like, I expected stuff. What the hell? What do you mean? And I think what had happened was I had gotten a phone where it like I was sending a bunch. I did it to a bunch of different people where I thought I was talking to them, but I was talking to like their email or something oh like that. Oh my God! You know I mean? Yeah. Um and. Uh, yeah, and then we were like, oh, okay. So that's what happened. All right. And then we never hung out again. Oh, no, but then we're on the phone. You did tell me about, like, romantic stuff with you yeah, and somebody. And then we were like, I think we three-way called Angela Trimber, and we were like, we should all hang out. Didn't yeah. we all get on the phone and do a weird, fun three-way call for no reason? I th- maybe something like that. Uh-oh. I just went out. The sound. Are you there? I can hear me. Are we still here? <laughs> okay, back. Back in bed. Oh, no. What's happening? Oh, my God. Podcast ruined. Just kidding. It's a metaphor for life. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we did like a, a three-way phone call with Angela. I think so. I haven't seen Angela in years. But I think that's the thing. It's like, I think it's like <laughs> people get busy, and then it's like you make time for like, am I falling in love with? The, I'm not saying that to you. I'm not saying you let me down. My whole love could have like threatened. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that. That's mm-hmm. not what I'm. But uh, and I'm way more healthy than I used to be. But uh, I think people, you know, you're doing your stuff, and I don't see Angela either. Like, I never see. I rarely see her. Yeah, I used to see her all the time when I lived in that big, dumb house. Oh, I think I went to a party at your house before I met you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I wasn't there. Oh. but uh, I had a great time. I was in Chicago. It was really fun. Yeah. Yeah, Angela and uh, Rosa Salazar threw their birthday party at my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and um, That's when I met, like, Kale and... Yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) What a nightmare. Uh, That party happened because um, Kale, I guess, had said... That he lived in the house or something like that, but he, I don't, he didn't. I don't know because I was out of town. This is where, this is just what I've heard through Bud, my yeah. other roommate and friend. Kayla told Angela that she could have a party at our house. And, Are you serious? <laughs> and so <laughs> I, oh my god! Get, of course, it's like huge, crazy party, and I get. I was in charge of the house, and um, oh it was a, we lived in a mansion in the hills, and it was like a ten bedroom mansion. And how the hell? I'm gonna ask you how that happened later. Um, okay, yeah, but so what? In, so I get phone calls from my landlord that night saying that there's been twelve police reports filed, and what's going on, and we're gonna have to move out. And I'm like, I'm not even there. I don't know what's going on. And then I put all the pieces together when I got back, and Angela and Rosa felt bad, and. Oh it wasn't their fault. But, Wait, yeah. so they just like knocked on the door, showed up, and were like, "We're having a party here," and then everybody, like Bud and everybody no, no. else, were like, "Yes." I guess Kale had coordinated, like, oh. "Yeah, you can." I it's my, you know, whatever you can live. Or I don't know really what happened. I don't. I need have... to throw him under the bus, even though well, I mean, he I think deserves he's fine. it. I mean, I think he's already been thrown under the bus. So yeah, I think he's, he belongs can under that take bus. More weight yeah, at this he's, point. He's be under that bus, yeah. but uh, oh yeah, there's like video footage of like, oh yeah, James Pumphrey was there. Then there's like video footage of like Armin Weitzman mm-hmm. like proposing to me. I think he was like, I don't know if he was drunk or not, but I have like I have a video clip that I like found the other day of like him really drunk, like proposing in front of your house. And they're co- I think there are cops out there or something. And then like 
Yeah, and then all these other people are drunk, like commenting on him proposing. He's on his knee. I got to do something with that video. Yeah, or you nothing. Should. should I? Should I put it out there? Ah, it's, it'd be interesting. Like, I think fun. it'd be fun. I might nice as well, memory. I might as well just do this. Just, like, put it out there on social media. Well, uh, holy shit. Oh, another thing. And then somehow this will all come together. I'll stop judging it. But okay. So, yeah, I remember James Pumphrey. Here's the weird thing with like the internet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. James Pumphrey and I were like friends on social media somehow and we were like direct messaging, but I didn't really know him, but we were just like direct messaging, which is I feel like something that young men do. They don't talk to women in real life or they don't like get their number and text them or call them. They just start sending direct messages that are kind of like intimate, but I don't know. So James did that with me and we made a plan to meet at the 101 because I thought I'm going to be weird this is like many years ago around this time well, I'm going to be weird I'm going to go and meet up with this guy that I don't know because we have mutual friends I don't think he's a murderer or whatever and we'll meet at the 101 and have like a talk and maybe I'll see if he's interesting or cool I go, went to the 101 and he never showed up because I think he, he was he was, he was was direct messaging me very late at night and I think he was like wasted or something mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm like very like I follow through okay we're going to do this and then I just remember like sitting there like crickets like and he just never showed up but, oh, that's uh, sad and then, I, and then I saw him again at that party, at that Rosa and uh, Angela party. But, wow, um, bummer. Anyway. Yeah, that's yeah. no good. That's no good. So you're single now. Yeah. You're no. Oh, oh wait, yeah. and oh. we shot a movie together. But we, we, we weren't in uh, the same scene. What movie? But we did, we were in a house together shooting at the same time. Called Zeros and Ones. About Morgan's movie. Oh Morgan my- and Eugene. Wait a minute. We never met shooting that? Uh, we could have met. I was, I was real young. I, I had just moved to LA. Yeah. And, uh. Yeah, and I was like, I I think you looked kind of different back then. I'm sure I did, but I I don't remember yeah. meeting you. But <laughs> yeah, you had blonde hair. I know that I did not have blonde hair. You didn't. I had like short, like a bob, black hair, like really? this. But there's a poster of that that somebody drew, who I think doesn't like me. And the poster of zeros and ones is me with my intense bob, but I look like I'm like 300 pounds. But my oh. weight does fluctuate, and so nice it shows more on my face. Just so you guys know out there, <laughs> just so everybody knows that because we're just human beings living our lives. Well, I remember clicking through the IMDb to see who else was in it because it was like a cool cast. The young folks and uh, Morgan Kranz, you, me, Eugene yeah. Cutler. Yeah, Cutlerenko. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the director, right? A director, yeah. So you're flipping through the thing. And I remember you having blonde hair in oh. the photo on IMDb. If you ever talk to me that way again, I swear to God, I'll fucking kill you. Why? I'm just kidding. <laughs> teasing you anyway oh, so we oh, go yeah. back so we did that oh that movie oh and then okay so we have the phone call i believe it was a three-way phone call with angela trimber and i will wrap this up but then years later i i was walking down i was like at some night in october maybe this was like two years ago mm-hmm. right around this time at the ace mm-hmm. for some david lynch night thing no, Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson curated thing. Yeah. And I saw you, and then you had your girlfriend, because you were dating a girl at the time, who I had only recently met and mm-hmm. probably offended or was a dick because I met her 10 times and never remembered her, which is like something people get very mad at me for because I just, that happens sometimes with me. And uh, there you were. And I was there like, I was. I was like, wit. And the girl I just met that I can't forget, I can't remember her name. I'm an asshole, and that's his girlfriend. Yeah. But you guys are no longer together. No. And uh, how are you doing? How long? How long ago was the breakup? Three months. Three months ago, I think. Three months ago. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna ask you questions. Feel free. Sure. Just tell me. Leave you alone. Yeah. No, Why did you? How long were you getting together for? Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. So you met me. You're like, that is not what I want. You met her, and you're like, hello, this is amazing. I get. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> I- 
I I had known her through my brother. She was friends with my brother and yeah. his now wife. And yeah, so I I had always had a crush on her, you know. And uh, she had had another boyfriend, and then uh, she moved to L- broke up with him and moved to L.A. And then we started dating. What happened with the roommate girl? Like, did you guys all move oh, out? Oh, that was never, like, a real... But how long did you live together in the same house after the weird, like, we're just having it sex? It just was but, okay. Like, it just, like, worked out. It just went okay? It went back to be okay? Yeah. I mean, pretty much what we ultimately decided she, at the time, she was, like, wild. My roommate was wild and had partied, and I had a lot of um, problems with that. Not with her doing it, just like um, kind of issues with, uh, you know, didn't wasn't wasn't very confident as a person or something like that, and you? couldn't yeah, and couldn't couldn't. Uh, I was like, I just didn't want to date somebody who who went wild like that, and uh, and she was like, well, I'm doing my thing, and that I'm not going to change, and I was like, I don't expect you to change, and so we were like, well, cool, let's just go back to being friends, and yeah, <laughs> and so we pretty easily just went back to being friends. Oh, that's good. And there hasn't been any weirdness ever since then. Um, but I'm pretty, I'd, I'd say I'm good at like being friends with people. Yeah, I always pr- like prefer the friendship thing over anything else. I think you know? that's where I'm at now. It took yeah. me like years to get to this place where, well, now I'm on this thing where I'm not. I'm like, I keep saying, I'm not dating for a year. I'm not dating for a year. I'm making this like intense blanket statement. Mm-hmm. But the main thing from that is I just need to like be by myself. There's a lot of things I want to do. I don't want to feel like I need to like fill some whatever, whatever's lacking in me and identify with like whoever it is I'm dating or like, you know, complete myself with, with having some, whether I'm ha- having sex or making out or having a boyfriend or whatever. I just want to be like solid on my own. And then I want to see how that feels because I've tried it the other way where I move real fast and I'm wild and I'm whatever and I'm dating and I'm making out and I'm in a relationship whatever I've done that so yeah now I just want to see if I can if I can just be single for a long and stop habitually dating because I was like habitually dating mm-hmm. and also when I do start dating again I want to move a lot slower like yeah. I want I've never done that I want to like date for two or three months and be like I'm not having sex right away I want to like I've never done that before like I've, I'll have sex on the second like waiting on a fourth date is like I can't believe I waited two weeks. This is incredible. Like, I, I can't. I'm too sensitive now. It's like I don't know what what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And I want friends. All I want is to be friends with everybody. Like that's that's great. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I'm looking for. I think I'm just looking to feel inspired. Yeah. And so, as far as hanging out with people, dating people goes, I just only want to be around people that make me feel like inspired and and uh, and and good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> At this point. Why did you and your girlfriend break up? I think because of that, we didn't make each other feel inspired. And um, we would try to lie to ourselves and each other and, and try to make each other believe that because we were nice to each other and that we weren't um, psychos and we didn't have like any uh, real problem problems, you know what I mean? I, we would just try to convince ourselves that we belong together. But in reality, there was no, like, spark. There was no passion. Really? And we didn't, you know, we didn't, you know, we, there was never moments where we would, like, lay under the stars giggling. And, but we really respected each other, and I really admire her. And um, I think she, everything she does is really cool and stuff like that. But And I think she probably feels the same way about me. But ultimately, we were, like, we went to a wedding after a really long t- three years of being together, and we were like, we don't have this. Oh my god! And that's, so that's we an interesting thing. Yeah. broke up right when we got home. It was like unavoidable, you know. 
what a weird back, what an intense backdrop to really put everything into perspective. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. oh my God. I've been saying to anybody who wants to break up, just go to a wedding, see how it makes you feel when you look yeah. at the person that you love. Oh <laughs> my God. You know, that's, that's like, that's like one of the episodes of, uh, did you see Master of None? Did you see any of that? Mm-hmm. That's like one of the things there where Aziz Ansari's oh, yeah, character, they yeah, huh. they go there and they're like, that's when it kind of like starts to break down when oh, they realize, man. remember that? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Um, Oh my God! That totally happens, huh? Yeah. So I, I, um, you know, she, I think her and I, we never fought really. You know, we never. Uh, she had trust, prop, like things with me because of me being an idiot a couple times. But like, what does that mean? Because I was buying Christmas trees with girls left and right. Yeah, maybe boundary problems. Yeah. <laughs> um. So she had trust issues. Mm-hmm. Um. Which is fine. It makes sense because sometimes I have boundary problems. I never cheated on her, but like maybe I let people get too close to me. Um, And she said to me last like four months of our relationship, the reason that she believes she has trust issues is because she doesn't give me the type of support that I need. And she's afraid that the more I have to go out of town, the more I will seek that out in other people. Yeah. And I was like, and that was the first time that I, instead of like denying it and trying to be like, no, that's not true. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe one day I will. Um, Maybe not in a sexual way, but in, you know, maybe, who knows? I, I wasn't trying to deny it. I was just saying, yeah, I don't feel certain things I, I do need from you that I don't get. And um, sometimes when I'm out of town, I meet somebody who I don't end up hanging out with, but I, I feel like, wow, maybe we'd get along great, you know? Yeah. And I was seeking that and, and trying to find that everywhere. You, you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just any type of person. If if, if I remember it being sitting at bars late at night after a show or something, if somebody would bring up a relationship maybe not going well i would like lean in and just try to soak it all in and listen and try to figure out what was going on with them so that i could apply it to my own relationship yeah but um i mean yeah the trust thing i don't know that was a big problem with us sorry did she go through your phone no i'm not gonna say whatever i want to include that she would go through my things but i think she had probably a good reason to like your phone and your emails mm-hmm. doesn't that like ruin trust for you like after a girl because I, I i've never done that with a boyfriend i've never gone through emails or texts because also i'm afraid about what i'm gonna find even if i do find something and it's not they didn't do anything wrong it could still look incriminating mm-hmm. or seeing some kind of intimate thing so i don't know i don't know how you bounce back from somebody going through your well would she would always that. find something and is what she would say and I had a lot – I would always have, like, explaining that I had to do. But weren't you mad, though? Does that piss you off and be like, who the um, fuck do you think you are to be going through my stuff? Um, I don't know. I need to work on getting mad, I think. Oh, you don't get mad? No. I I have a real problem with, like, anger and – Really? I don't get – like, I don't get angry. I always end up going, like – I always uh, – I have a – at least in people – with people I'm in a relationship with – uh, accidentally put myself in their shoes too much <laughs> and to where I think I end up maybe getting walked on a bit. That's so interesting. I keep meeting men who tell because I ask a lot of questions from the get-go and I start dating someone and I say, why did your last thing break up and what do you know? 
And I keep hearing from guys, and this is ultimately what ends up ending our relationship, this behavior of, uh, I'm not saying you're a people pleaser, but they, they don't like saying, they don't like to ask for what they need. And they just uh, do what the girl wants or because they want to make sure she's happy and then they end up resenting the girl. And my thing with those guys is always like, I can't have that. I can't have that. I need to be 100% me. I, 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 please give me the benefit of like re- you being 100% you and then I'll react accordingly yeah. and we'll do that. Uh, so I can't sit for me. I'm like, oh, God, because then I've got a second guess. Is he doing it because he wants to? Is he going to end up resenting me? Or like, so wait, what do you do with all the, well, all that? If she would go through my phone. She would always find something where she would ask questions about and she would be – it could – it would be a red flag, you know? Whether it even be something as simple as me like talking to a friend who's a girl and saying stuff that I would never say to her, like like joking around. Or, that was like the main thing that was missing from our relationship is that we didn't like uh, joke around and we never sent each other funny videos or – photos of things or like we saw something never sent never said thinking of you or you know whatever never had that and i had that with a bunch of other people did you have that with previous girlfriends uh yeah you did i would not not in a romantic way just like i would send things um to my girlfriend from when i was 22. No, I mean like when you – have you oh, been, oh, have yeah, you been yeah. in relationships before where you were inspired oh, and you're always. like – always. Yeah. Oh, so That's this always just, been the thing. I'll, this every is like re- random. Every relationship that I've ever been in has always began from like a crazy text conversation where we like hang out, you know, and then yeah. we text a yeah. lot. Yeah. And we send each other everything that we love basically in the first month or so. But that was not – this, so this last relationship was a total one-off, totally depart, total departure from – Total normal. departure from anything that I ever had – had been in or, or really even was about. You Why know? do you think that happened? What Be- where, where were you at when you got into this relationship? I think because I had dated a lot of people in the last the couple years before that, really the year before that, and I felt like she was not like anybody I'd ever met. She was confident and, and um, talented and very independent. And But you said that she felt a bit insecure. Well, yeah. And that maybe she got into the relationship because she... Wa- she felt... Yeah, she did feel me, insecure when she came to L.A. Okay. Oh. And she, I felt like she was out of her element and it wasn't, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it was it was really – it's tricky to even think about why we even got together with each other. I mean it's something that we talked about the night that we broke up is like what were we doing? Yeah. You know, why were we together for so long? So what do you want now or you don't know what you want? Well, that's the other thing that we talked about whenever right when we decided to kind of break up. Is that I had been in Australia for a long time and doing what? Uh, doing comedy stand up. Oh. Oh, yeah. And she came back, and when I came back, she was like sat me down to have a talk with me about how she had met a guy who she had been texting with nonstop the whole time I was gone. And there had been nothing like romantic really, but she had felt bad because she had maybe gotten upset with me for doing that, you know? And that she had been sending this guy funny. I was like, what have you been sending? She's like, funny pictures and videos, mainly, that's all. And I was like, why do you think that we've never sent each other that kind of stuff? And that's what really got us talking about why we shouldn't be together. Yeah. Um, We just didn't, like, inspire each other to, like, be, like, see a thing and then go, like, oh, I got a show so-and-so, you know? Yeah. Do you think you'd want to date a performer? Because I feel like I don't – I'm not a stand-up, but I feel like I – I don't know if I could handle. Have you tried to date? I mean, performers. 
no names. Um, just wondering, like, yeah. what ideally, like, what do you think you're looking Every for? Every time I've ever dated an yeah. actress or... I guess I've only dated actresses or um, com- comedian, comedian actresses. Yeah. Um, I've... It's never been... We don't ever stop seeing each other because of... Oh, actresses are crazy or whatever yeah. the stereotype is. It's because we are just too focused on our career. Oh. So we don't, it's like we can't even really f- see in the future that, yeah, right, we're not going to stay together. You know, that's kind of the attitude that it was in the past at least. Maybe that's why this past thing was good because she wasn't a performer. Oh, yeah. There's more room for nurturing where you can be the star of the show, not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but it's like you ha- you're emotional, you're making your stuff, you're, and then you got this cozy person to kind of like tuck into and I'm just. Yeah, but that was not the case. Oh. Because Truthfully, she was not a fan. <laughs> she was not a fan of your work? <laughs> no. Are you fucking... That is and I would co- joke around about it I all the time. I can't believe this. This is insane. <laughs> you should have had me come in and mediate. I can't believe this. That is, that is insane. No, she... I mean, <laughs> she's real sweet. She was very sweet. None of and she would try to, to lie and say, like, she liked Aww. the things that I was doing. <laughs> That's did. funny. How, what, what was, like, the biggest... Uh, when did you first know she didn't like your stuff? That's hilarious. Was it just, like... Her, um, did you ask her? And she was no, like... No, <laughs> she just would not talk about it or watch it or oh my god i went on a date with some guy and he was like i want to see a short the short film you were talking about and i was like you really want to see because i don't want to i'm like i feel like yeah that's that's what i do the same thing i go i feel like that's everybody's worst nightmare you don't want me to send you some link of some eight minutes short and he's like i want to and because it it matters to me and i'm like you do okay but only because you asked and my i dated somebody a little while ago he asked for it sent it to him and he never watched it and it it just made me feel horrible i just Mm -hmm. felt like disappointed and brokenhearted and like because i want to be seen by somebody i want somebody to understand me i want to be seen i want to be i want them to like what i do you know oh god so i can't even imagine yeah i felt i often felt like it would it's a double know, life almost it was that's a total fucking, double that's life. not okay with would, me over here or aristotle yeah i we want, we want more for you. i would go out and do shows and stuff and in the beginning she would go sometimes and then eventually she stopped going because I felt bad. Like she'd have to sit. She was not a fan of stand up. Like she didn't want to sit and watch any comedian really, yeah. other than she liked she the comedians that she loved were the are my favorite comedians like Who Brent, Brent Weinbach oh, and Johnny yeah. Pemberton, yeah, stuff like that. But I'm nothing like them. I'd say I'm, you know, whatever. I'm You're just, amazing. You're fantastic. Well, that's sweet. Yeah. But I'm not like them, and so she just to- wasn't totally a big. Um, fan i'd say big fan i think she yeah she just wasn't but she liked things about me like that i was nice all right okay you're not but here here's a specific question though what do you do with the people because you didn't answer this before if you're not getting angry or expressing yourself or communicating what where does that all go well i would communicate with her i just wouldn't be mad so you don't get mad but you do say what's on your mind no one in my family got mad you know what i mean it's just not how we operate like you do communicate as long as something is being expressed you don't just like hold it all in and yeah yeah yeah. and and she yeah the way that and the things that i would get mad at her for were just her not communicating with me Mm. usually so it it was that was the main thing he's young because I used to, I used to be terrified of comedians, so I had to kind of get over like my ter- like being scared of comedians because I felt like I'm th- I was thinking of like '90s road comics yeah. who were like oh like misogynist and stuff and like what is it about this like new? I feel like there's like this new breed of uh, we're not new, but the most this current group of uh, comedians are like 
I don't know, young, woke, feminist, communicating, uh, emotional, like... I don't know how woke like, I am. Oh, whatever. I don't even use those. I don't I know how that came out of my mouth today. I, I just think <laughs> nowadays it's different. You're softer. It's like, seems like kinder. Am I wrong? Or maybe not. There are horrible kinder, things happening. Yeah. Kinder. You, you seem know, very kind. I think that um, LA is seen as like a nice, gentle place. And yeah? That's... You know, I never living in LA in the beginning. I was here to write and act. Clay and I, who's my writing partner, and, oh god, we get to get, get to that Clay and Bud, and yeah, yeah, he, we didn't totally. Clay will always feel fine just being just kind of on his own and not really worrying about anything that anybody else thinks. But I didn't. I felt very um, put out by LA. Like I moved here wanting to, like be like uh, in Gus Van Sant movies or whatever it was yeah. and I, I just would go to acting class and meet all these other actors and think like what the fuck are these tools like deep v-necks and fedoras yes! and what the I just fuck? was so let down by the city but at the same time I was so bewildered by the city and I loved it you know I loved it the second I moved here but it wasn't until I you know started doing stand-up and um started trying to make my way in the comedy scene that I felt like I really had a place where I belong. You know what I mean? When did you start doing comedy? I mean, officially not until a little over five years ago. Oh. Yeah. And when did you, where did, so going to power violence, when did power violence, how did that come to be? Clay and I have called everything we did power violence since we were kids. Oh, so you've known Clay for how long? Since I was 10. And wait, where were you born? Alabama. Alabama, and then did he come to LA at the same time you did? Or? He came like, like a little bit after. A little bit after, and then where did Bud come into the mix? We met Bud six years ago. Oh, you did? where? He moved into our house, our our um Your apartment, man- not yeah. the mansion, not the mansion. We had an apartment on the west side, and our friend Rod uh, was going on a journey of self discovery up <laughs> the coast, and Bud sublet his room. That's hilarious. That's how I met Bud. Um. And by the way, quick aside, how did you get this 10-room mansion? How did the hell did that happen? And, we're, and you're not there now, right? Not there now. How no. much was that place a month? And how did you it fucking... It was 6000 bucks a month. How did you find this place? Um, the, our friend Davo found it. <laughs> Davo and Rod. Davo. I just like all your friends' you names. Oh, Davo, so. <laughs> Rod, Christian, Mario, Lauren, Tomba, um, who are the original people. <laughs> oh, my God. Tomba, James, Bud, Clay. Isn't They all live there, too? They lived. We all moved in there together. In there together. That's like some kind of... Did you already try to write and pitch that show? Yeah, we sold it. You did? Did you really? <laughs> well, the story is like very intense and sad and dark. Did, did you sell recently? Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. And, not recently. Like, like seven months ago. Oh, what's the name of it? Can we talk about it? Burning Down the House. I don't know if we can talk about it, but I don't care. Burn, okay. For, to who did you sell it to? HBO. Burning Down the House. What's the story with it? Well, our friend who invited us to live in that house, he found it, um, was struggling with um, kind of mental problems. And uh, after moving in, like two days after, we had to take him to the hospital where he was like diagnosed, had a specific diagnosis. And we, his parents were kind of out of the picture. And so we kind of had to figure out how to navigate that new page in his life for him. And it ended up not working out. But um, so there's that aspect of the show okay it's just and then um is that kind of linked to blue line at all but we'll get to that in a second a little bit um i think everything in a way and and if if clay and i make something i think that there will always be some sort of psychosis in it because i think we're really that's like a part of our lives you know so um but uh 
And then uh, we lived, our neighbors were meth cooks and dealers and um, at the, in the mansion, and it was really weird. And then uh, they lived in the mansion, the meth cooks, or mm-hmm. next door? No, they lived next door. Okay. And then uh, our, and Clay's parents moved into our house to try to, Clay's dad moved into our house to try to get into the weed business. Really? Uh, and so all, what of the, the fuck? all of this terror was kind of happening in this, in this mansion, which was, when we moved in, upon moving in, it was like promised to us that it was supposed to be the rom- most like romantic, beautiful time in our lives, like <laughs> summer forever. <laughs> and then three days afterwards, it's just we had to grow up so fast and had to deal with all of these problems that we never kind of imagined. Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of in the show. There's not ten of us. It's like five of us, six of us. And is that or is that you, Bud, Clay, and who else? Um, well, the characters that it's kind of based on are, there's th- the three guys. Like, and then psychosis guy. Uh, guy with, who has a mental problem. Um, a girl, uh, um, the basement dwellers who live in the basement, which is true. They live, there's a basement apartment with a separate kitchen and things like that. And then, uh, the dad, Clay's dad. The and dad. then there's like outside people, meth house and. You guys are going to be in it? Uh, we don't know. I don't mean, know. that's the intention. That's the intention. Yeah. God, your hands are so nice. Oh, what thanks. you guys can't see is that Wit has uh, somebody painted your nails. Maybe you painted your nails. I I'm did. sure some. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you have like nice piano playing hands. Yeah. Oh, that, nice I did play piano. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, so, how did. Well, that's exciting. Oh, God. I hope that show gets made. I'm like. Oh my god! Yeah, I hope so too. It'd be yeah, cool. Yeah, that'd be sounds special. It's I'm so happy. I, immediately when I heard that, that mansion, I'm like, well, that's the show. That's mm-hmm. completely like, how could that not be the show? There's yeah. so many opportunities for stories and like. I mean, when we lived there, people would come to parties like the one you're at. Yeah. Which, a lot of times we'd have those parties because we were in dire need to kind of like figure out how to make money for rent because oh, somebody would, would get kicked out yeah. of the house or somebody would have to leave, and um, yeah, so we would be just be like trying to throw those parties and people would come and be like you gotta make this a tv show hollywood yeah. types of people like suits would come and be like and we'd be like fuck no this is hell i mean when i lived in that house it was fun yeah it was fun even though it was dark and sad like we would do those shows to try to raise money for rent and we would have big shows where like comedians would knock on the door as interruptions and like come in through the door and like interrupt us as neighbors and then i would do like a tour of the house afterwards and yeah it was fun, you know, but yeah. it was a bummer. I look back on it now think, and what I think about is like broken steps and uh, dust and collecting money and waking up um, and feeling like I wanted to go on vacation all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it was it was fun. It was an experience for it sure. It served a purpose for sure. Okay, yeah. so power of violence started. Wait, and you don't drink or do drugs, right? Do you drink at all? No, sometimes I, I'll maybe drink, but not. It's, it's kind of rare. Yeah, I'm also not drinking with the, with the no dating. Yeah, there's no drinking happening either. It's oh whole wow, new, whole new thing. I'm like medit, or I'm like attempting to meditate, whatever that means. I'm and like, I have I've been tricked into smoking weed. You have been tricked into smoking weed. Mm. Not really. I mean, someone's been like, smoke this, because it's a comedy show where you have to be high or something. And they, you know what Wait, I mean? Doug's show? No. Oh, okay. One. I got asked to do something like that. 
and I got too. I was. I can't do it. I'm too scared because I don't smoke pot and I don't know what's going to happen. It. Yeah, I feel out of control. I feel trapped in my head. I smoked mm-hmm. DMT a few months ago. I, can, I, I don't even like, know what that is. It's like the drug component of ayahuasca, and I like did that with some person I was dating, and I don't have to do that again. Ooh. But I keep talking about it because it gives me like street cred. Where I'm like, I'm so cool. I tried DMT. Yeah, this is, I don't know. I haven't done drugs for a long time. So anyway, um, so power of wait. So stand up comedy. Mm-hmm started like you're you're in acting class what acting classes did you take in la i took with a lot of my favorite teacher that i took with was michael wilson where's that that's where i met milana my friend yeah our who maybe people know from at&t yeah commercials and other and cool lots of things. she's always working i gotta um, get her on this podcast yeah she'd be great on here yeah but uh yeah we met there when i i was like 19 i think she's 20 but uh and yeah but he was my favorite teacher i taught i've studied with him for a long time um, Michael Wilson, check him out. Check him out. He's got a cool book. Do you uh, still go to him? Do you still go to acting classes? I don't. I I don't think you need to. I don't like doing I, it at this point. I'm like, I, what what came with stand up doing comedy is this like validation. Once I started being okay at it, yeah, you know, I got this validation that I didn't. I no longer had to seek. So like, if I made a choice as an actor, I felt confident in that choice because I felt like it had been backed up that I had. Because it's instant gratification when you do stand up, like you do something that's funny or you do something that's engaging and you know that it's working out because people are, are listening and are engaged or are laughing. So it kind of, I got this validation and it really changed my entire personality when I started doing standup. So what, what, where were you, uh, when you were like, I need to start doing standup. You're already living in LA and you're like, something needs to shift. Well, I never thought I could do it. I always felt like it was impossible, but you wanted to. uh, I fantasized about it because I, I was obsessed with, certain comedians and stuff since and when since for, since when since i was like 18 17 but you're just like pushing it aside i was just like... so into zach alfanakis and tig nataro and maria bamford and dave Chappelle, you know so um then when i moved to la clay and i would go see stand-up shows and we'd go do all of it and uh all the different comedy stuff in la and i took classes at ucb but i didn't feel like i belonged there at all and then um, why is that because I feel like, and I know this is something that's been said a lot, but I felt I like an outsider, and I like feeling like an outsider, just because that's how I've always felt. And um, I felt that UCB was the inside. They were like too much of a kind of fraternity. You know, I didn't feel... I I felt like, do I want to be a part of this? You know what I mean? And also at the same time, the kind of people that I vibed with the most were ahead of me. And um, so they had already kind of been more established and had a thing. And I didn't totally connect. Like I felt like UCB at the time, I'm sure this isn't the case, but at the time it felt like they had all graduated college and were on this next phase in their life. And, you know, I felt dark and whatever i felt uh different i didn't feel like i belonged there and then my mom passed away and i had inherited some money from her and uh you know i mean the sad version of or i guess the poetic version of the story is that she wrote a letter and said don't spend this on rent and so i was kind of sitting on that trying to figure out what i wanted to do with that and Clay and I were making videos, and now that Bud had moved in, we had him to kind of like put in things because he's super funny. He's super funny. So we 
I rented um, a theater with that money that my mom gave me. Oh. And then, uh, yeah, that's where my career, I guess, started to happen was as soon as I did that. Wait, people you- started to go. And then uh, we called it power violence because that's what Clay and I had always called everything. And then uh, because I was hosting these nights where we would play these videos and sometimes have comedians perform, um, I started doing stand-up, like just hosting the show. And then people were like, oh, my friend Dave Ross booked me on a show uh, that he ran called Holy Fuck. And I was like, <laughs> I was so nervous to do because I didn't really? totally. Yeah, I wasn't completely. But then I just started doing stand-up all the time and I became obsessed with it. Like every single night? Yeah. You just go to open mic? I think I did it every night for a year. Would you just go to open mics? Mm-hmm. Just go to com- Comedy Bureau and see where things were happening? Or whatever? It was at the very beginning Comedy Bureau. It was really convenient. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And then you just managed to figure out a way to pay for rent and continue paying for the rental space? Or, oh, yeah, you would make my money mom. at the door. No, oh. we didn't make any money at the door. I Was it free? Power violence was yeah, free? Yeah, power violence was free. Oh, and nice. And we... I had... I think I inherited like 10000 bucks. Oh, so, I don't mean to ask you all the details. So yeah. I... Um, I, it was like, and I sold a lot of my stuff that I had gotten from my mom that I like. I didn't need a boat. My mom had your a mom boat. Had a boat? God, I didn't know she mom. had a boat. Who is this mom of yours? We gotta she get into like it. She had like a twelve foot little boat. That what? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know it existed. Do you have any brothers or sisters? I got my brother Johnny. Oh yeah, yeah your brother. You started the podcast. That's showing me the photo. Well, okay, uh, great. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> How dare uh, you? Yeah, and so I had <laughs> sold like a boat. I had like had saved this money. I did this weird um, Middle Eastern produced movie called Born to Race where they paid me more than to do that than I'd ever gotten paid to do anything. What the fuck? How did that come about? I just auditioned for it. <laughs> oh, my God. And uh, and I also um, – I was working. I had delivering groceries. So I had all this money in the bank, more money than I ever had. And, than uh, you have now? Way more than I have Really? Now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. God. Oh, yes. God. And, uh, you know, I was like 23, 22, 23. And uh, so I rented that theater. Nah, that's it. And I bought a bunch of things for it. I'm okay. I don't okay I'm offering him a Listerine Mint Strip. You guys can't see it. We are yeah. not sponsored by them, but, you know. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's the story how I got into it. Oh, my God. That was only five or six years ago. Yeah. Five years or six years. Power violence began. Five. Well, show. it'll be six years next February. Unbelievable. And I'm lucky enough I got to go to the – I went to the last show. Well, now the last show at the original theater. At the original theater. Now we do a one-off show at the Satellite in Silver Lake. Yeah, every... Every third Sunday. Every third Sunday. But it used to be a weekly show where we kind of uh, operated the theater ourselves so we could set it on fire and do all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. But we can't do that now. Oh, my God. Is it a bit more of a relief to be doing it somewhere else or... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. The old place, you know was fun because we could have all that control and it really shaped the tone of our show and who we are as comedians and whatever it is. But the new show is more professional and we have a band, we do interviews and it's like, it's, it's probably a better show, but I don't know if it's as special. What do you mean interviews? We interview the band and stuff. Oh, okay. Um, and wait, so Bud, was he not, was he an actor or he came here no, to do what? No, he was nothing. He or came he here to work nothing. at Best Buy. Oh, he came here to work at Best Buy, and <laughs> his it. our introduction to him is the best <laughs> character introduction to anything ever. He came, his fiance and him had just broken up. Oh, fiance, how old is he? He's, He's like 19. 29. Okay. Uh, his fiance and him had just broken up. He came here, 
and um, fell asleep for 17 days. What? <laughs> Realistically, he probably fell asleep for seven days straight. Um, we couldn't figure out why. We would go into this room where he was and check on him to make sure he was alive. <laughs> Apparently, he told us he had been waking up at like 4 a.m. and like going to Carl's Jr. and eating and then going back to sleep. <laughs> so it wasn't seven. It wasn't seven days straight, but... <laughs> Then he w- so then he woke up. We started making videos with him. He worked at Best Buy, but then he would come home during his break from Best Buy and fall asleep on the couch for three hours when he had a thirty minute break. Oh my god! He got fired from Best Buy, got unemployment, and just like coasted. Clay and I, I was delivering groceries, and Clay was uh, delivering pizza. Clay lived in the closet. And- he did. <laughs> so Bud, Bud was just always there. We would get home, and he'd be like. I built a projector uh, thing or whatever, you know. I built a double-decker skateboard, you know. So it was just like this great um, introduction to this character that was just like a fucking, I don't know, cartoon bear or something. Oh, my God. And I think if Buddy would have never moved here, I don't know if we would have ever started doing that comedy show because Clay got this burst of inspiration with Bud and would just follow him around with a camera. Really? And Buddy was just naturally really funny. And he had never, like, had a desire. Buddy wants to fix and build computers. That's his kind of thing. Oh, but now, I mean, do do all of you have agents now and you're all, like, going on commercial castings? Or, like, Um, what's happening? Bud just got let go from his commercial agent because he won't get a passport. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Bud on this podcast? Yeah. Please make that happen. Um, oh my God. But, uh, Unbelievable. But no, Bud. He doesn't want to leave you guys. Bud is an, assist, uh, an editor for something, and, you know, that's what he kind of does, I think, mainly to make a living, but also other things too, like acting things. But didn't he write the HBO thing? Is that like you and Clay No, that's that? just Clay and I. Okay. We wrote that. Fuck Bud. Never yeah. mind. I'm just kidding. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, how did, when, at what point did you, when all this was stuff kind of is all happening, because this is like your life story shining spotlight on you, a mm-hmm. love letter to you, or whatever. Uh, sometimes I frame these things as dates, but I'm like, you know what? I'm not dating. And we're just friends. Oh, yeah. So this is a love letter to you. Where it's we like we're examining. We did not go on a date. So that's the whole kidding. thing about like young men, where they're like, "We're just hanging out," and then the girl's like, "What is this?" Like, because no, girls. That's how I feel. Can I tell you something that happened I to want me the other night? Labels. I want to go. Are we on a date? Take me on a date. I'm old fashioned. Something really crazy happened to me, what? like right when I was single again. What? So are uh, you still single? Did, did you end up in a relationship during this podcast already? Yeah. I'm with, like, what's with it? You Aristotle? Are, are you still? No, I am. That's my dream. Uh, but uh, so. Um. I was hanging out at my house, and a person texted me, um, hey, come, like, a selfie of her, and was like, hey, come to this bar. And um, it was, like, 11 p.m., and I was like, okay. That's romantic. Yeah, and so I went, and she was there with some of her friends, and um, she's real cute and stuff, fun and all that. And uh, the bar wasn't totally my scene. It was, like, in West Hollywood, and it wasn't my scene, you know? And, uh... Is kind of dorky, yeah. I guess. And she, when I were talking, getting along, you know, and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And she said, um, I hadn't seen her in like four years, probably three years. She was like, isn't it funny that this like isn't isn't your scene at all? And I was like, yeah, whatever. She goes, but it's funny. Like the only reason you came here is to fuck me. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah. I mean, it's fine. That's why I texted you. That's the only reason you're here. You wouldn't even be here. You would never be caught dead here if if you weren't going to fuck me. Oh, my God. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> And why is that? Yeah. Um, why, why did you react there? What happened next? Well, she was right. I mean, yeah. she was right. Yeah. 
We didn't, but we didn't sleep together. You didn't? Was, we hung out way too late. You did? Did she get too drunk or something? Yeah. And you didn't, you weren't drinking? I was not, and I felt weird, and then... Oh, that's nice of you. Semi-woke. Yeah, so it was like, whatever. We didn't sleep together. We slept next to each other. Did you have sex in the morning? Nope. I had to leave early to go to some crazy thing. I had to, like... (laughs) I I was... Yeah, it was weird. But, um... (laughs) But, yeah, so... And I got trapped there, because I was just going to leave after she fell asleep, but she fell asleep... (laughs) Oh my god! On my shirt. Oh my god! <laughs> and I didn't want to move her. Oh my god! To wake her up, so I just kind of sat there looking at, like, what the hell do I do? <sighs> at one point, I put on one of her shirts because, uh, and then cold? I looked at myself in the mirror. No, because I was like, I'll just wear her shirt and give it back to her. And then I was like, I don't know. This is. I'll just sit here and wait till the morning. Or maybe she'll move in the night. Didn't move at all all night. She stayed in the same exact spot. Too drunk. Glad I'm not drinking. Yeah. Not but, a good uh, look. Anyway, I don't remember what got me on that tangent, but and I just thought that was really interesting. I, like, respected it. I thought it was kind of cool that she would say that. We're talking about the fact that everybody's just hanging out and there are no labels, you know? Oh, yeah, And, ha- yeah. and I want to be like, are we on a date or what? Or, like, what is this thing? Because it's, like, all this confusion. Mm. But sometimes it's nice just to see, like... Do you like? I don't know. I know what you mean. If I actually, if I like somebody, like, you, like, like, yeah, I don't want to go on a date with them. You don't? This is new, though. This is just a new page in my life. I'd yeah. like to just hang out with them a bunch. Yeah. A couple times. Like, before friends. we, so I can, I know that we can, like, just walk around and hang out and talk. Yeah. And those end up being more romantic than dates. I know. Always. And I like that, you know? And this is, like, a new part of my life. Yeah. But I think that's better. And then, you know, like, no matter what, at the end of the day, if we don't end up dating, if she doesn't like me or whatever, we'll still be able to have those talks where yeah. we can, like, hang out and talk and it doesn't – there's no us touching each other or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I actually feel that way too. I, that's why, like, I, like, toyed with – I got on that – oh, my God. I got on the douchiest dating app. I was like – Raya? Raya. Yes. I got on that because somebody sent me an invite and I was like, well, I talk about all this shit all the time. I might as well stop judging the mm-hmm. – whatever and i'm gonna see how this works and how people communicate and like oh this is fun it's not for me because then all of a sudden it's like everything is like there's no room for like the first there's no context to how you really know the person it's like you came at we never ran into each other we don't really have mutual friends maybe we do but we've never been i don't know and yeah then, and then it's like we're going on an official date now i'll meet you with the thing and we're to, it's like all adult and weird and i'm like Let's just, yeah, I do like ice cream dates where you like, let's get ice cream because it's like cheap and you can walk around the block. And then like, I like walking. That's one of my favorite things in the world. And then like, it's nice to talk and walk. I don't know. And then it's, but the formality of like, he's picking me up at seven. We're going to the douchey, like yuppie restaurant. Like, it just seems like that's like so associated with, especially like the Raya dating app. But have you ever been on Tinder? No. No? Mm -mm. I don't think that's your style, right? Oh, no. I did get Tinder. Sorry. (laughs) I got it for a day. I had it for one day. I had Tinder for a day two years ago, and I fell asleep. And then, the, like, two, uh, next day, Dallas, you know Dallas Clayton? Yeah. He sent me a screen grab of my Tinder account, and he's like, dude, I think somebody made an imposter Tinder account for you. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, that's me. I just didn't know how to log out because I didn't fin- – Oh, yeah, I did the <laughs> so, same thing. Oh, so embarrassing. I made it for one day when I was out of town. Yeah. <laughs> and what ended up – it just was like, nah, that's not my style. And – uh but then I, I thought I deleted it because I deleted the app, classic 70-year-old move. That's what I thought I did. And then it still was there and people Active. would like yes. say, hey, I saw you on Tinder. Totally. 
And then I, I didn't actually delete it until like a week ago. No. I went through and like, I had to like go deactivate it. Are you serious? Yeah. That's hilarious. That's the same thing I did. And I was like, I can't believe it. Like RJ and Dallas and all my people. Anyway, um, oh my God, there are all these things, those things I want to ask you about. Um, just do it. I'm just going to do it. Okay. I got all the time in the world. I mean, we're going to be out of here by uh, you know, well, two hours. That's, that's fine. That's I got. You got life. You got to canceled my knee appointment. Oh so. my! Oh, I'm so sorry. I, Rescheduled. I, I love the fact that I had to like kind of like be thankful because because I because you're like, hey, we wanted all the text in your phone. You, let me explain this to people. I listening. don't know why. I got this text from Wit being like, when is when's our podcast scheduled? And I was like, oh, it's this Thursday. And then you had already scheduled all the, you had deleted all the apps and all the info out of your phone, so you forgot about it. Made a doctor's appointment, and then mm-hmm. I had to kind of ask you to. You offered to cancel your doctor's appointment, but I felt guilty about well, no, it. I, I wanted was, to do this over that. I know, but I felt I was like I was like, oh no, I feel guilty for making him cancel his doctor's appointment. But we did have this plan. I no, didn't delete yeah, the shit out of his phone. I think what ended up happening <laughs> is when I was asked to do when you asked me the date to do this, I threw your phone in the toilet. No, I I was deleting all my text messages. I've been doing it for the last three months because. For some reason, I was running out of space, but yeah. then I just discovered it's because I have a lot of podcasts downloaded. Oh, me too. What podcast do you Bud listen to? Bud showed me that it was because of the podcast, not the text I messages. really need Bud on this show because I do the exact same thing. I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand like downloading or listening to an episode and subscribing. I get so confused and then all of a sudden like that's where all the fucking shit is sucked out of my – I have an old phone too. I don't even have like the new one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, because I don't need the new one. This one still works. Yeah. And Bud will help me. Yeah. He's good. When he comes here, he's going to help me. Cool. Um <laughs> Uh yeah, I don't remember. Oh, what podcasts I like? Uh, just movie ones. I like listening to like film reviews and things. Do you listen to the Brightest and Alice podcast? Uh-huh. Oh I my listen god, to that on the way here. That's one of my favorite. Which episode? Moby. Oh, that's the newest one, right? Yeah. He's not uploading enough. He doesn't. I, I get irritated. Annoying. It's actually very. Annoying. It's really fr- Peter Bogdanovich. Great. Oh my god. Yeah. Then then this episode just turns into us <laughs> talking about other podcasts. Well, I I think it's like cool. I appreciate you do this podcast because it's so good. But yeah. also. Come on, man. Stay on it, dude. Step Don't in. take a year-long break. Yeah, I will, t- I will tweet at him and his producer, this guy named Adam, being like, okay, ready for more. Oh, yeah. have you ever watched Dinner for Five? Mm-mm. Oh, my God. So you're – you make – okay, we're going to get into the films that you have made. You're a filmmaker. It's an it's mm-hmm. important aspect of your life, which is, is – is it only recent or no? It's been going on for years, but now they're getting more uh, – uh, It's just now I'm – I don't know. They're just getting better or something. Not better, but like they're becoming more of an idea. You are a filmmaker. This is important. And we're going to get to that momentarily. I uh, am fascinated by I love films. I make things. I'm obsessed with learning as much as possible. There's this show you can find on YouTube. It's John Favreau's show, like Swingers. Oh, is, I've seen that. Yeah, Dinner for Five. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sw- Swingers is like my favorite movie. For mm-hmm. me, it's like I, it's a perfect movie. It's super cozy. I can put it on. It's like I watch it over and over again. I love it. So, yeah. So Dinner for Five. For those people who don't know what we're talking about, is this show that's only used to be on IFC, but now it's only available on YouTube, and it's just like really simple. John Favreau throws like dinner parties with like a mix of like. Artists, comedians, writers, directors, producers, musicians, whatever, interesting people. And then they just like talk about being those cool creative people and must, all the things they've done. Must be nice. Must be nice. <laughs> One day that'll be you and Bud and me and Aristotle and uh, Clay. Okay, so you – listen, we know how you started comedy. We know about the mansion. We know about HBO. We know about your friends, how you guys all came to be and whatnot and whatever, what have you. Okay, so – now, I watched two short films that I was blown away by, The Buddhist, mm-hmm. and I watched Blue Line, mm-hmm. and okay. So, and I had spoken to Brent Weinbach, 
And Brent told me, because I, I was at CineFamily like a few months ago or like a month ago, or not even that, whatever, a little bit ago, a month ago. And you had you had Blue Line playing. So Blue Line was opening the show and I fucking missed it because I, I was, I, I'm not usually an asshole, but I like missed it. And I was talking to somebody else outside and I was like, oh, fuck, I really did want to see it. And now I'm that person who didn't watch the thing and I'm at the thing, but I'm not like participating in the event and watching the thing. So, and then I talked to Brent Weinbach and Brent was like, have you seen the short films that the Power Violence guys have done? They may, and I, he, I think he was actually talking about the Buddhist, mm-hmm. but I thought he was talking about Blue Line, but it doesn't matter because I feel that way about both. But he was like, that their short film is the best film I've seen in 10 years. And like, and he was just like, you got to see it. You're crazy not to see it. You got it. Like, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Run, don't walk. So like, I, you know, and I watched, I watched Blue Line first and like, do you want to tell the audience what this movie is about? It's like a 17. Blue Line yeah. kind, of, kind of is about, um, you we're on a co- co-wrote it, co-directed it with Clay. Clay. Yeah. And, uh, it's just completely improvised the movie. And it, it was basically inspired by a, a shot from American Werewolf in London by two shots where they're just very far away. The camera's very far away from the two characters and then eventually the guy who's the werewolf. Um, and we thought, well, this is like super funny and interesting conversation. The camera's so far. I wonder if we could ever make something where the camera is like bird's eye view and we're just it's kind like of yeah. wandering. And it's almost like feels real like you're just wandering through the city and so the story that we kind of thought was interesting is we're picking a guy up from um our friend up from the psych ward of a or suicide ward of a hospital played by bud played by bud and his he attempted to commit suicide i guess but it's questionable if he did really or what he's there for or if he actually just kind of like faked it and because he needed the wanted the uh, online attention and what we found shooting it is that since the camera doesn't exist to anybody in the city the camera's so far away from us that people often we're navigating our way through the city using the train in LA using the blue line Um, and uh, people would come up to us because they would hear us being lost and they would just come up to us and offer uh, guidance yeah and so I was wondering if those were those actors like that guy no those are just real and so we started to just toy around with that idea and um, of just walking around and maybe people would overhear us talking. So, you know, there's like conversations where there's a scene in it where Clay says, um, I'm and also it's none of the characters are they're all subtly bad people. They are. Yeah, I'd say all of them are like very even the girl s- over the phone. I feel like yeah, she's like bad. a grump. Yeah. Okay. All bad. Yeah. They're like, but it's subtle. They're bad. They talk. Uh, all of the characters talk to each other in, in a way that you actually probably really would talk about your friends or about each other, you know. And, um, like, there's a scene where Clay says, um, your problems are different than other people's problems to me because I'm complaining about some bullshit. And um, About a girl? Yeah, there's a scene where um, in in the edit, we didn't put it in, but there, there's, like, a girl who I remember looking up at me and and feeling bad for me. <laughs> she was like, in the train, riding the train. Yeah. And she was hearing me complaining and uh, about all this problem. And I remember her, like, looking at me going, like, oh, it's too bad. A real She person? thought it was real. Yeah, she thought oh, that. Oh, God. We should have kept that in. How come we didn't keep because that in? Because you couldn't see her. She was. Oh, got it. It but, just uh, happened. But so people thought it was real because they couldn't see the camera. And our DP, Arlene, is, like, a really small 
cute girl. I want a full name. Arlene Mueller is her name. Where'd you find She's her? Very talented. Uh, my friend Joey Izzo and my other friend Andy DeYoung, they both have worked with her and she's pretty amazing. She lives in LA? Yeah. Oh my God. Arlene no, she was great. Mueller, she kind of made it. You know, we, we went with that idea to her and then we, me, Clay, and Arlene went around the city and took photos of all of the shots. And Oh, you did? So that's kind of how we did. And then we went back like a month later and shot it. But, um, so that's what Blue Line is about. Just two guys trying to f- go to pick their friend up from the psych ward, essentially, and and the conversations that they have along the way. And then once they do get him, it's a it's kind of like um, you can't figure out who you're supposed to root for, I guess, because everybody mm-hmm. sucks. And then um, it's funny because I didn't even think they sucked that bad. I just thought it was so funny, and I thought it was shot so beautifully, and I thought it looked well, so ca- wonderfully. I feel oh, like at go. the end, that's my main concern. With it was really hard to edit because there's so much footage of us walking oh. around aimlessly talking. Who edited it? I did. You did? Yeah. And then Clay edited the other Clay the Buddhist? usually edits everything. Why yeah. didn't he edit this? You wanted to try it out. You uh, wanted to do it? I think Clay was pretty determined for me to edit it. I don't know if it's because it seemed taxing or um, oh. if he was just sick of editing everything. Here's a quick question. Is that because you said it was improvised? Was there an outline, though? There must have yeah, been we a- had an outline. How long was the outline? Outline was like... So I think we split it into three sections, which were L.A., downtown LA and then subway and then Santa Monica so it was maybe a page oh just a page mm-hmm. a page outline yeah our outlines are never long just wondering because I, yeah I, I wrote like a 60 page outline for a feature but then I have all this like potential sample dialogue and jokes I want to hit and like and intentions for each scene yeah we don't ever we've never done that like, like a long outline. I feel like people keep asking. Maybe it's maybe because people hate women. But people are like, we need to see the thing. We want to see the thing. Yeah. Or well, we know. found we used to, whenever we first started writing feature scripts, we would like overwrite the treatments and the outlines. Yeah. And then we would give them and they would. We found that they just wanted us to say, it's about two grown men who go back to college yeah. <laughs> or whatever. You yeah. Know? Uh, but uh, anyway. So, so you, you, you edited it. Mm-hmm. You did a great job editing. Thanks. Whitney Weir. Took a long fucking time. How long? Well, for me, it, for Clay and I, we work really fast. So Clay, when Clay made The Buddhist, it was done in two days. It was? I mean, there was like I'm sound, stealing him. I'm was, stealing like, this guy. things. Okay, yeah. Uh, just pay him well. I will. Uh, but there was sound things. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of stuff and that had to be fixed. And uh, But other, like the, the takes and things like that, Clay... Clay directed the Buddhist by himself. He knew making that that, oh, this is the one I'm going to use. This, that was also very scripted, you know. It was for the most part. I think other than other than all the stuff that takes place at the exterior of my house, a lot of that was kind of improvised. But with Anna, yeah, that Anna's Anna, whole thing is improvised. That moment where she's like, you know, with her hand gestures. So what that what, is a reference yeah. to? Yeah, you're here. That is, was like my favorite part about her thing. That really made her character because I feel like it could have been is, it could have been anybody and then she did that shit and I was like, oh my God, I want to see her in all these other things. So what yeah. that is a reference to is is in the beginning of The Buddhist, if anybody watches it, there's a scene where Clay it's online. Look it is up. talking about how he could beat up Buddy. And in it, he was improvising and he goes, because Buddy's a big fat man and I'm a little skinny man and I can run, jump around and grab him. Yeah. And so whenever Anna did her scene she did the same thing wit is a big strong man and you're a little nothing man yeah with her hands yeah. but clay cut out the first oh one so it's not so you're taking so she didn't come up with this what you're saying you're trying to expose her and not give her credit for that one well she can't no i mean for, we basically using. we yeah. basically said like 
Talk about how wit is good and you're, no, and you're bad. No, she's great. You're all so great. I was so happy to see her in it because I've seen her do stand-up and stuff like that. I yeah. think at Power Violence uh, at the original space on that last night. That was the first time I saw her perform. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's awesome. She's great. She's the best. Um, we, we use her in everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, Honorary Power Violence film uh, person. Yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> she's the best. We've got some of those, but yeah, she's the coolest. But the, so then, yeah, so we made the Buddhist and... Blue Line, and then uh, we, but we made another one called A Place No One Knows that hasn't come out yet. And a that's place. what got us started making like 20 minute long videos. A Place No One Knows is where you started, but the other two ones are finished first? A Place No One Knows is finished too. It's just, it's in legal limbo because a company produced it. And which company? Don't even say. Don't Samsung even... technically produced it. Oh, really? Funnier Die had a deal with Samsung. Samsung pulled out of the deal while we were editing A Place No One Knows. Funny or Die was like, we want to put it out on our own, but then Funny or Die is going through some things and there it's like low on the totem pole, you know? So oh we made God. that last June. What was the budget for Blue Line and for? A thousand bucks. A maybe. thousand bucks for Blue Line and then how much for the Buddha? Maybe Buddhist? A thousand, maybe. Um, Twelve hundred. I don't know. And the color in, in Blue Line, Whitney Weird Whitney did the color. Did she did the color in the Buddhist too. She did? Yeah. So beautiful. Like I've written her name down because I'm like I want to. I want to work with her on things. She's I'm just amazing. Like, I mean, she's a great director and she, everything. It, and too. she edits also, right? I heard her and Clay oh, also. Yeah, she's, she's a, a great editor. Super. I mean, she really helped me on Blue Line like crazy, oh telling my me how because I didn't even know how to do Adobe Premiere. I didn't know how to edit. Oh really. Oh my god! What a beautiful thing. Yeah, this so. is a beautiful communal thing. People coming together and making. So that's that's fantastic. Um. So what are you going to do with these short films? Just put them out. We don't. You want to put them in festivals. We don't have that kind of money to like submit things to and festivals. fly ourselves to South by Southwest. It's not. We've done it before with other as you comedians. Have? I've gone there, oh. and as an actor, I've gone to South by. But I've never. It's just expensive, and it's like this is a short film, and what are you gonna? You just want to put it on the online and have the, it be there. Yeah, what are you gonna get out of it? Nobody's gonna buy it and distribute it. You're so right. So that makes me. I made a short film. I submitted to things. I'm waiting to like. What I just put it out there, right? I think so. I think. Yeah. Fuck it. That. Unless they will pay for you to go and they'll put you up, I'd say wait until you got a full length movie. You're to so go out right. There. Because yeah. Vimeo, if you put it on Vimeo and then maybe it gets picked for something, there like a hundred thousand people will watch it. Anyway, You're so right. You know, so you are so right. Um, oh my god! But, but I also learned I didn't even know about the Blue Line in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. That's I was new. Like I was like I couldn't believe this. I can just because uh, uh, I, I lease a car like an idiot. I don't know why I did this. And uh, it's going to run out. And so I'm going to decide what I want to do later. So I want to see, like, I want to exist without a car for a moment to see what that's like. And then uh, I live near the blue line or in that whatever. Well, so that's uh, the tricky thing that was edited out is that we actually end up having to get on the expo line because the blue line doesn't go. To Santa Monica? To Santa Monica. The blue line goes to Long Beach. And that's <laughs> I don't how we get, go to Long Beach. Ha- we get half lost, but the blue line, or expo line wasn't completed at the time. Oh, yeah. That's the guy who comes by and says it hasn't been built yet. Yeah. I was hoping now maybe it's been built. It has been built. Well, listen, I'm just very excited about going to Fairfax and Wilshire and seeing where I can go. Like that's, I, so that not only you can did go I. go straight to the pier. Well, not this is fantastic. So not only did I, was I blown away visually by Blue Line, uh, but I laughed. I was moved That's emotionally. Cool. I uh, became a even bigger fan of yours. Uh, was like didn't realize how talented. I mean, I did, but maybe I paid more attention to you. But like Bud and Clay, and now I'm aware of Whitney and her talent. Like, so I feel like, oh my god, I'm like blown away by all these people and fascinated by them. And and now I know that I can take the blue line <laughs> to fucking to go to the pier, which I also enjoy. So okay, 
you sold the thing to HBO. I'm going to try to okay. bring this full circle and ask you all the things I intended for because I took copious notes. I got very inspired right before this show. Um, it's like blue line. It's like, yay, heart. I don't know why. Okay. So, uh, nice, nice, yeah. But I got very like frantic and inspired. Do you want to be – when you were at UCB mm-hmm. and I – and it's weird. I like that you said you feel like an outsider because I feel like an outsider and I'm like, it's just me. I feel like an outsider. Everybody else is on the inside. Like to me, like you're on the inside, all the people are on the inside, but potentially everybody just feels like an outsider. But anyway, yeah. it's something to think about you guys. But uh, do you want to be on SNL? Have mm-hmm. any desire to do that? Did you ever like, cause you do, do you do characters? You do characters and yeah. you were, went to UCB. Was it, it was to be doing characters, not to be doing improv? No, yeah, UCB I did improv and I did character stuff, um, but I was just trying to find my way at the time. I was young. I didn't know what I wanted. And I I guess back – SNL has never – I always liked SNL, but it's never been a goal. Because you guys seem to me, aren't you like uh, a Lonely Island, like the next Lonely Island, next uh, Good Neighbor vibe thing? No, because we've never made a video that anyone has watched. Well, we've made they a will video now. That you, you just said this podcast. Yeah. This is going to be great for you. <laughs> we've never. I think our audience is very specific. We've never also. We've never like had trolling comments or anyone talk shit on us. But we also don't even get a thousand views on anything we've ever made. So unless until we started making these longer things, people have started watching those. But yeah, after um, I, after I link to them and uh, Facebook, just just you watch, just like look thank out. You, yeah, thank you. but. <laughs> No one has ever watched anything we've done, so SNL doesn't even com- consider us. We had a TV show that no one watched. What was your TV show? Stone Quackers. Yeah. What was that about? Yeah, tell me about this. That was about Clay and I's childhood. Where was this? It was on like FXX. F- yeah, FXX. How did this happen? When? Why? And where it was did it go? Part of a production company called ADHD, which was an in-house animation studio that um, we were lucky enough. Our our friend Ben Jones invited us to come make this show with him and. Uh, we ended up kind of basing it around our childhood, and John C. Riley and Heather Lawless were in it, and Rory. And I can't believe it's taken this late in the game getting to that thing. Like, well, and anyway, so it just uh, no one watched it pretty okay. much, but it also wasn't there was no evidence that it existed anyway. Like online, there was no promotion, there was no commercial, there was no billboard. You know. So, okay, and then how many episodes? In, twelve. Twelve, and then it, then when did that start? And when did that end? We started working on it, I think, when we were 24 and stopped working on it last in 2000, like March of 2015. How old are you now? 28. 28. And it's interesting. I borrowed chairs from Joe, your power violence producer. Oh, really? For that junior high comedy show. And I had to pick them up in Highland Park. So I've had like two in-depth conversations with him where I'm like, I'm feeling kind of moody. I could just burst into tears. Like I was telling him that I might burst into tears He's yesterday. good to talk to. He's so lovely. That guy was so sweet. We grew sweet. up with him. Oh, my God. That guy is like a good person. Like I just liked me so jo- sweet. Me and Joe used to ride the bus together when we were 10. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We're talking about ADHD because Faye, who owns junior yeah. high, is to work That's there. That's how yeah. I met Faye. And I met a lot of great people there. Yeah. How interesting. Okay. So... So, but is that a goal, a grandiose, or like not even grandiose? Is that a a real goal? Like you have an agent now, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't your agent? I mean, who to are you? To be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, to be like ETA. lonely. To be like a lone, like uh, th- aren't they? You think they'd be like prepping? Like that's completely the normal normal mm-hmm. trajectory. Like you sold an HBO show, showed HBO. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys talk about? You power violence boys. Um, what are you up we to? don't. I would go be on SNL if Bud and Clay were on SNL. Well, yeah. And I, uh, that's the only way I would probably want to do it. Uh, they've asked me to showcase 
if I wanted to do it. And I said, no, I, I have before. You have? Yeah. I mean, not at, not at 30 Rock, just like at a show here in LA. And it's just like, I don't, right now, it's not something I want to do. Oh. I want to be serious. I want to like make uh, real serious movies with Clay. You yeah. Know? Oh my God. And, I want to um, see those movies. I don't, I and mean, when I say serious, I don't mean like dramatic, whatever movies. You mean like I mean, full like, on features. I just want to make movies that have a lot of heart and, and hopefully, um, you know, are, are funny from start to finish and it, and it's not referential and it's not topical and it's not um you know it's just you know the true like i think it's at this time right now people could it's like considered a vulnerable move to try to be funny in a in a sincere kind of um heartbreaking way and i think that that's stupid i think that like that's what comedy and on at least what movies and comedy should be and i i think that you know, I, I just want to make things that um, people can watch and, and laugh at and connect with in whatever, you know, way. And so SNL isn't that. And and so we, you know, hopefully we'll be able to do that, whether it be like telling, you know, stories that are, are true things that happened to Clay and I or stories that we heard growing up. We want to like make – we have like movies that we want to make that we want to get out of the way. Oh, my God. I'm so excited about this. It's crazy that you're saying this because – and what I meant, I meant like – as a lonely island like power violence like mm-hmm. power like of, of course it would be all of you guys like that's what i meant for the snl thing but when you're going back to what you just said i've been listening to like so i've been listening to this podcast that uh because casey who puts on mm-hmm. super tight uh pointed out to me because i was like very moody last week is it the harvest moon or the mercury retrograde or whatever it was i was going through or apparently i'm always moody crying for people or whatever but uh he was like, you should listen to this. And I, I didn't realize how sensitive he is. He's also like a sensitive, nice, sweetheart. And he's like, I listen to this podcast. Check it out. It's called Meditation in the City. And there's this one, it's like this Buddhist meditation center in New York. And they have these talks and it's really lovely. And I listened to, I've now I've been listening to all of them. And they're like so grounding and so lovely and so honest. And they just talk about all the nuances and all the real shit, all the thought process that go on. And, you know, I feel so alone in my head. And then I realize. You know, we're all, I'm sure we're all going through these things, spiraling and overthinking, analyzing stuff and feeling like, does everybody hate me? Is everything going to be okay? What does it all mean? Am I okay? Am I enough? Blah, blah. And uh, one of the talks was about uh, creativity and this thing. And I, uh, this guy mentions that as a culture, we've done, we've done, look, we, we've looked at, uh, Oh God, neuroses a lot. We have a we have a ton of wonderful uh, shows about neuroses and celebrating, like you know, Seinfeld and Girls and uh, just a million movies, Woody Allen movies. I love Woody Allen movies, mm-hmm. and I also love in in, in your short films. I love who did the the music. Real quick, uh, we steal it from like very obscure places. Well, I love that it, it, it was like jazz. It was oh, it's like the juxtaposition of the Woody Allen esque jazz kind of like score. Well, Clay is like real influenced by i mean so am i but clay's um better at the woody allen kind of yeah blue line at ska it is oh yeah <laughs> it's got a jazz vibe to it though well we're just going back to like because i noticed that and i love that because I, I used to go to new york all the time just by myself just to go watch woody allen play jazz mm-hmm. at the carlisle hotel and i would sit at the bar and like watch him play jazz and i whatever i love woody allen f- uh for his work but mm-hmm. uh, uh but so this podcast was saying talking about how we celebrate neuroses but now we're at this point where it'd be really nice to be, to uh, make art where you where you identify the neuroses, and, and but then you kind of try to transcend it also, where it's like, or I don't know if I'm making sense. No, but I know what you mean. Where it's like there's some kind of consciousness 
added consciousness to it. So it's like, yeah, you can be wound up and all, but like something shows like a character transcending, coming, and maybe they do it in every movie, but more so now in this time, I feel like, like, so when you say you want to make films where it's like uh, honest and uh, vulnerable, but with humor, it just seems like it's it, that just seems more special and what we do need now and, and like like the like your well no I know the funniest movie that I've seen in a long time one of them I just can't remember the others is Silver Linings Playbook oh yeah I love that movie and then also as when I say honest and vulnerable I I do want to make films that are like honest and vulnerable and hopefully we'll get the hang of it always eventually funny. I think like that's why we want to make these short films is to try to practice um but. I mean, it's like a vulnerable decision now to make something that isn't topical and referential. And then it's like a vulnerable decision in the way that um, that's not what any of the comedies that make money now do. What are those comedies? What, what, what do you mean, like topical and referential? Like, I what think are those like a examples? Judd Apatow movie is very much a part of now. Like you can't in the future. If you go and watch um, oh, Knocked Up, yeah. it's like. What the fuck? You know, and a lot of this stuff, I don't even understand what they're saying but anymore. But whereas you watch Annie Hall and you go yeah. and you're like, oh, I just lived that experience with this. You know, it's like yeah. that holds true or Hannah, I mean, a perfect example of what you're talking about is Hannah and her sisters when Woody is – it's the funniest thing ever when he's freaking out because he thinks he's dying. And then later he he has that realization when he's walking down the street with Diane Weiss after they run into each other at the record store. And he goes through and talks about – all of the reasons that made him want to live and want him not to kill himself uh, anymore because he was might die or whatever and he's not sure and it and it I mean it's the funniest coolest thing ever like I think that ideally Clay and I would figure out how to make things like that but at the same time we think that it's like like the Coen Brothers movies are the funniest thing ever you know yeah to us and like and then movies like Dumb and Dumber and people like Tim and Eric and um. You know, I think like a perfect example of an actor who has all of the things is John C. Riley. Oh, like yeah. uh, he's vulnerable, amazing actor, very committed and um, serious about it. He has like a sadness about him that's like very serious and very funny. Yeah. That's like we want him, the embodiment of him in movies. You well, know that's what I, mean? what I meant like. Yeah, I think it's funny. Yeah, shining light on humanity and being mm-hmm. honest. Because like, I don't. I I like all types of movies, but like, if I were to make something or what I really want to watch is something honest where I can see myself in the thing, but always funny. I mm-hmm. always be laughing, even if it's sad. Like, did you see? Like, I didn't love this movie, but I really liked it. And it, uh, you know, uh, oh God, don't think twice. I didn't see that. You should, well, I, I feel like you should see that. Yeah. Might, I mean, that's like right in, uh, maybe it's like too close to home in this mm-hmm. this world, uh, in this comedy world that we live in. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'm rambling about this. But uh, well, like, and um, I just want, uh, yeah, I guess, and all, but I, I don't, I don't mean to say I just want to make like serious, cool movies. I, I want them to be super you, funny. You don't sound like you're saying yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, okay. I, I get it. No, you just, but you want to make like, you know, when movies. Jim Carrey is sitting at the door or sitting at the window and Dumb and Dumber and he's saying he, he wants to, he 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 wants to. Um, he's I already, like crying. I already don't remember. Uh huh. Yeah. He's like saying to Jeff Daniels, like, I just want to go someplace where we know somebody who can plug us into the social pipeline. And he's like, where the beer flows like wine. Yeah. And then uh, no, no. where uh, I want someplace warm. I'm talking about Aspen. <laughs> and then Jeff Daniels looks at him and he goes, but most of all, I want to 
have somebody or something like that. And Jim Carrey looks at him and he's saying the stupidest thing in the world, but he's crying. Yeah. And he's like looking out the window. And if you were to turn the sound off, it'd be like Oscar winning performance, which I think it is an Oscar winning performance. Uh, But he'll never be recognized. But um, I I think that that's the embodiment also of just things that Clay and I want to make. Yeah. You know. Um, Clay's probably better at articulating it than I am. I'll get him for the podcast too. I'm gonna get all of you in here. Would he talk to me? Uh, Clay's weird. He's weird. He's like not, mean. He's not weird. No, no, he's not mean. It's just like I don't know if he. It's not for everybody. Yeah, I mean, he should try. It'd be real interesting. Well, whatever. A- ask happens. for me. Oh my god, no, because he's so fascinating. I don't know him at all, but I just I respect him so much from afar, and I'm learning about him via you and just watching these these short films. And I'm now I'm a big fan of his girlfriend because Whitney's his girlfriend. Whitney would right? be great. Yeah, I would like to talk to both well, of them. I want like, to work with Clay's Whitney. not. It's like he's not. Um, I'm not saying. I don't want to say he's shy, but that's, he's like. He's more of a, a aloof, mysterious person, and that's than me. okay. That's why, like you know, that's why people don't have to do this. But uh, yeah. like I asked Donnie, is it Devanian or Devonian? Devonian. Devonian. And we were texting, and I asked him if he wanted to do this, and he was like, "Well, how? You know, what is it like?" And I think he gets shy too, and and that's great. I'd rather somebody tell me like, "Oh, I'm. It's not. I don't." I'm not. I don't like being interviewed, or I'm not. Yeah. Instead of recording one and then being like, "Can you not put that out?" And it's like, "Yeah, that's fine. Just tell me you know." But I'm still gonna yeah. ask because I'm. Fa- I, just, I only want to talk to people I'm like fascinated by and inspired by. Yeah, that's like uh, that's like your dating criteria. You yeah, I inspired just, by the person. As far as dating, man, I've. I mean, I don't know. You know, like I'm. I'm happy doing what I'm doing right now, and I'm What's taking. That? I'm just hanging out. You're just. Ha- oh, so we're gonna- <laughs> You're like, you're like, okay, okay. I mean, maybe I don't know if I'm what's happening in my love life right now, but it's I'm not seeing, I'm not like running around being a wild man. But yeah, you're you seem like you're focused on your career. Mm-hmm. Are you? But are you like also like trying not to get into another very serious? I'm not thing? trying not to. You're no. not trying not to. Going with the flow. You're just going with the flow. But I'm not forcing anything. So if you did end up in a serious thing, it wouldn't be daunting to you if you were, if you were ended up in a monogamous like thing. No, you not would, at all. Because you, you would only do it if you want to. Yeah. You made this interesting point that uh like off off air off the podcast about uh about how y- at the beginning of your last serious relationship, like uh, I think she got insecure, mm-hmm. and then kind of wanted to turn it into a serious monogamous relationship more. Maybe not so much because you guys should have jumped into mm-hmm. a full-on relationship, but because it's like she wanted to like lock you down or something or just wanted to maybe like – Maybe I wanted – I maybe – I um, instigated it. I wanted to prove to her that I wasn't a weirdo. Or that, and that you could be trusted and you're a good mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, instead of just letting it just naturally turn into the thing. Right. Interesting. Something. Yeah, I think that from. was like bad foot to jump off on. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, maybe you learn. I think if anything – what I learned in my last relationship is uh, what I need to feel, you know? Like, my whole relationship, I felt very numb. I didn't feel like myself towards the end there. I felt alone, you know, all the time. And I felt, like, um, so numb because of just my relationship and how we interacted with each other. And I think that, um, you know... I know now that that's the opposite of how I ever want to feel, you know, and luckily I have like things and I have close friends and um, I just want to feel inspired, you know, and, and I think that that's what I learned. And I think what she learned hopefully is um, 
the type of person that she wants to be in love with. And she knows that it's not a person like me. Oh. You know, and I think, I hope that now, because I think I was her first, like, relationship with somebody who was, like, equal to her. She had always dated guys who were older or um, guys who were no good to her. And I think now she has, she'll go and be able to find somebody that she, like, really can fall in love with and can kind of, you know, because she, she's the type of person that I think a guy would want to marry, like, real quick, you know? Yeah. And so um, I think that that's what will happen is, like, I hope at least that now she'll be able to just, like, go find a guy who maybe has some parts wit but has all the other parts that she really deserves and likes. Do you think you ever want to get married or have kids? Yeah, for sure. Like... I mean, I watched my brother and his wife and their baby, and it makes me sad that I don't have a baby. Really? Yeah. Like, you think in 10 years from now you'll have a wife and a baby? I hope. I, I, yeah? You know, I want, like, I really want to have a family. You know, Johnny and I, my brother had, like, a real weird childhood, so, like, I hope that uh, he's doing a great job right now, like, kind of changing the game for yeah. us. And I think that it's a, it's a bummer for me because I want to have a kid that grows up with Ronan, who's his son. Oh, that's sweet. But that's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, because you have a lot to do. Still. I got a lot to do, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I hope one day she, she's got to have fake boobs, a fake butt. Fuck fake- you. <laughs> Wait, how do you balance uh, two things? I definitely want to ask you before we wrap this podcast up. But uh, like, how do you balance all the stuff, like your work stuff with being in a relationship? Did you live with your last girlfriend? Mm-hmm. You did? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it sounds so intense. Like a lot to extricate, like get into and out, out of. But how do you, like, how do you like, like when do you write or and you perform like all the time and, and you travel and I don't know. I, it just seems like there's so many weird hours when you're like making stuff or having your thoughts and just letting things kind of sit in your head and mull around or going on walks or being with your friend. How do you balance that, the creative aspect of your life, which is like probably like 110% of it with yeah. like dating, even when you're single and dating or hanging out with people and, or and in a relationship. How do you balance the two? Well, now this is like new for me, you know, because last time I was single, I was 24 and I didn't have a career really, you know, at all. And now it's different. It's like very different. I perform all the time now and more than you did in the relationship? Well, more than last time I was single. I, I start Things started working out for me, like, as I was in my relationship, you know. Do you think it grounded you a bit? Like, maybe um, it was good or was it – or what? You know, it's interesting. I feel like I people think of me more now that I'm single. Whereas when I was in a relationship, I didn't even know some people existed. And some people definitely didn't know I existed. I think I just wasn't – I didn't put off an energy that – was like hang out with me or I want to hang out with you or oh, yeah. I want to meet you. I put off this like comfort comfortable kind of satisfied not satisfied but like this Lazy. different vibe. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was laziness Sorry. either but like <laughs> I definitely wasn't hanging out late ever and um I didn't do I I performed a lot but you know, I don't know. Um but what's so weird the juxtaposition of being 24 and single without much of a career then in immediate and then going and being 28 with a career in single is so different. How, tell me why. Because when I was 24, it was me and all these other friends who were just getting going. We found the thing we're passionate about and we're excited to go like experience it. Everything was so exciting. And as far as like seeing girls and sleeping with girls and whatever it was, everybody was excited and just like, woo, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. We're here. We're living in the now. And now it's we're 28. And some of those girls that I used to see are millionaires who own houses. You know what I mean? And um, they're not trying to just... They're they're like no I I have like a career like I'm a fucking grown woman yeah. you know it's different yeah and I came out of my relationship going like immediately kind of going like I want to go have fun with all those people I used to have fun with and then I quickly realized like things are different it's fine you know it's great but things are are different and um, being 28 is is very different than being 24 and um, it is for me at least and like so. I think that that's probably healthy and good, you know. I was never I wasn't able to go be a wild man or whatever, you know. I think I'd already done that when I was a younger guy though. Yeah, also I feel like something you feel the clock ticking or something you're like or like, oh my god, like I don't know or I don't know. Just uh do you have goals to hit things before you're 30? Is that like a weird and bad like no? Cuz I feel like I hear that from a lot of people. I just want to be You're already doing all the things you should be doing. Or just, you want to be doing. I would like to have money one at one point in my life. That's yeah. all I Right now, I just go okay. I'm like creatively, I feel very fulfilled. Oh, that's good. But I'm I'm just poor. I'm like I'm sick of being poor. I and I've it. been, I when I quit my day job to work at ADHD, they were like, "We're gonna make it, give you a job, quit your day job, man." What was your day so job? I, I delivered groceries. Keep going. Yeah, sorry. And uh, so I quit my day job, not realizing that I just get paid exactly the same to work at it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my god. Uh, um, so Clay and I both were like, all right, we're still very poor, but we have like this TV show now. Yeah. Uh, and that it, we've just been in that situation to where we've never been able to do anything. And I've never been able to like do anything to where we've made enough money not to have to like worry all the time. You will. Hopefully one day. For That's sure. the goal is I think hopefully by the time I'm 30, I'll be able to just not, I'll have like some security. You know what I mean? Are we dealing with credit card debt here? I'm not in any debt. Thank God. That is so good. No, I don't have any debt. I just have a uh, fear where I'll pay my rent two months in advance because I'm afraid of what's going to be happening I've, in three I've, months. I've experienced that before, too. I never uh, I went through a point where I was, like, wasn't making any money. And I uh, and I, for the first time in my life, experienced that feeling that a lot, most people experience every day where you wake up with this like heaviness and you're just going, oh, my God, am I, I going to make, make all the ends meet? Oh, my God, am I going to? Yeah. Oh my God, I've got to pay that bill. Am I going to be able to pay that bill? Holy fuck. Oh my God, you got a house. You got a. In a way, it's nice to have that feeling because I felt like I, it helped my life. It, it like the fire under my ass. But then you get to that point where you're like, okay, now I know what it's like to be real broke. So now, next time I get money, now that I know, I will be still, I will still be grateful. I will still live like I'm broke because I just don't want this fucking weight on my chest anymore. But I had to learn. I'm, it seems like you do this. I had to separate, uh, the bro, the anxiety that came with being broke and my self worth. Mm -hmm. I had to go. No, I'm awesome. I got this stuff going on. Like on, you know, who cares? About, like, I'm not that. My financial struggles and freaking out about money don't mean I'm not creative and, uh, you know, worthy of existing. You know, so I just because I was just like, oh God, how did I get to this point? It was terrifying. So I just like had to do a mental. Oh, and another thing, uh, I want to ask you: Do you ever get nervous when you perform, or do you, have, do you ever like have insecurity spirals or like wonder like mm. if people like you if you're accepted or did i do a good job when i when you perform or does that happen to you and if it does um, how do you get out of it i it used to happen it doesn't so much anymore i mean i don't get totally nervous i just try to have as much fun as i can on stage and and try to i found a while back my dad used to always tell me when he dropped me off at school uh to remember to smile and so uh 
And then I would never do it. And then when I was a senior in high school, I started to smile. Yeah. And um, I remember everybody like want, like finally coming out of the woodwork and being like, what's your deal? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I was doing stand-up for a while and then was doing shows at a club in San Diego for a weekend. And it wasn't going great, you know. And then one night I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to have fun and I'm going to smile at him for like 20 seconds at yeah. the beginning. <laughs> and it was just like a 180. Wow. And so now I just try to like have fun and smile and yeah. like power through it and hope and, you know, try to entertain them. You know, I moved here to be in showbiz, so yeah. like tap dance around for him a bit, you know, and I don't get nervous because all I'm thinking about is like entertainment and having fun and... um Maybe I'll get a little nervous. Like if I'll get nervous, like I had to open for Dimitri Martin, or uh, and I, or Bo Burnham, I had to open for him, and I really respect those guys, and like really wanted them to like me. So I was nervous that night because I I wanted them to continue to invite me to perform, yeah. open for them. Um, but uh, as far as that goes, I, I don't get too nervous. And what'd you say, spiraling? And yeah, like insecurity? afterwards, afterwards, you ever beat yourself up or kind of yeah, I beat torment myself yourself up if. Uh, if I wasted time, if I feel like I wasted people's time and also I'll torment myself because I'll watch a friend of mine do stand up and, and think that I'm shit, you know, or I think like, God, they work so hard or, um, I can see comedians who are my friends and my peers who work a lot harder than I do at stand up and they perform more than I do and they're probably funnier than I am. And, uh, that sometimes makes me feel bad, but it's, it's because of my own like I'm doing that myself because I don't put in a lot of the work that they How do. How much more work do they put in? Sounds like you perform all the time. I like a guy like Jake Weissman is probably like the hardest, one of the hardest working comedians in LA, and he How much is does he go up? So funny yeah. and per- performs on you know all the best shows and stuff like that. If I watch a guy like him, I get sometimes I he's my friend, so it's different. But like I'll get insecure. Not that he's making me feel insecure. It's that um I feel like. God, I got to work harder. You know what I mean? And those are the best. And my mom was a musician and she said um, to my brother and I to only ever play with musicians who are better than you. And so I feel lucky because I feel like most of my friends and stuff like that are like way better than I am. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, I just try to think of that when anytime I, you know. Well, do you, do you go to therapy Seems. Or do you meditate? Do you write in a journal, or do you just? I write a lot. You do. I mean, when you have little mood moodiness or darkness, or if you get, do you get depressed at all? Yeah. So yeah, I just like to ask people just so the other people who are listening can use it as a as a tool to like. Oh, maybe I'll do that. As far as therapy goes, I like skateboarding a lot. Oh yeah. And sometimes I'll be like massively depressed, and then I'll go skate, and I'll remember that this is my uh, first passion. Yeah. Before anything, it was that Clay and I and whoever would just like go skate and that was all we needed, you know? And so that is like my therapy. I don't totally go to therapy. But then I write music, you know, I that's when Clay and I started Power Violence and accidentally with Bud in a way because we were we're in a band and we were just fucking around on stage and stuff. Does Bud play drums? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. What was this Mark Hoppus band you're in? Or he was in your band? Yeah. Or what the oh, hell was that? Uh, we started the band. Mark Hopp- Blink-182 is like my favorite band. Oh, they're, and you're going, you're going to the concert, right? Are they playing at the forum? For, at the forum? Next week? Oh, cool. Cool, oh. man. 
Um, I'll go to that. Um, so, so what happened? So Blink is my favorite band. They were like my first <laughs> favorite band. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they inspired most of who I am as far as like skate culture and California. I wanted to live in California. They were so stupid on all their videos and like their live album documentaries about them. They're such fucking idiots. And their bond was like undeniably uh, interesting and cool and fun yeah. with each other. And so anyway, so there's that. And um, then I started telling a joke about Blink-182 on stage about the juxtaposition of Mark Coppice and Tom DeLonge singing voices on the song I Miss You, which is a thing that a lot of people do already. Um, but I've been, I'd started telling that joke a few years ago and um, I did it on the Pete Holmes podcast and uh, you do that podcast? I did a live one in Montreal a long time ago, but uh, I I don't remember how really our, we had a mutual friend. Me and Mark Hoppus had a mutual friend in Jensen Carp, and um, somehow Jensen made Mark aware of me, and Mark saw the joke on a pot. He listened to it or something. It's like on YouTube that a lot of has a lot of plays on YouTube, and Mark reached out to me. And was like, what is this? And then we were, I was like, whoa, he followed me on Twitter. Goodness. I got like seven, I got like 27 text messages while I was skating and my phone was on airplane mode. I turned it on because I was filming my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, Mark, follow, followed you on Twitter. How, how do they know? They just knew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, oh my God. so then I started our new show at Power, at us, the satellite, I started the new Power Violence and Jonah Ray, who's a friend. Um, tweeted, can I play drums in between the comedians? And I was like, huh, yeah, sure. And then Mark saw that. Oh my God. I, I don't know. I don't know if he even knew Jonah. I don't, I'm not sure. Tweeted at both of us, can I play bass? Oh my God. And then I was like, haha, don't make my dream come true too early or I'll have to kill myself. Oh and my then, God. Then he DM'd me and was like, here's my phone number. Like, let's, let's seriously figure something out. And then so we formed a cover band, me and Jonah and Mark, and then eventually our friend Allie Kohler is in a band called Upset. Um, and we called it Snake Pliskin and the I Thought You Were Dead, which is a reference to, um, uh, oh, my God, the Kurt Russell, John Carpenter movie. Can't remember the name of it. Well, whatever. You guys know what it is. Okay. <laughs> Escape from New York. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so... Um, yeah, we made that band where we covered like Dinosaur Jr. and The Cure and The Descendants and um, a bunch of other cool bands. But then we played at the very end. We played uh, I Miss You, and the which is full circle where it all began. And the audience fucking lost their shit. Oh my god! And like they, you can watch it all on YouTube. Like we played it at the satellite. Like when. We, it was perfect because Jonah was playing drums in between acts, and it wasn't. It was like clearly bad. It wasn't fun to listen to just a drummer bang on his drums between the comedians. <laughs> so then uh, I was like, "I'll play guitar. Maybe it'll help." And then um, it didn't help, and I was like, <laughs> "At the end, I was like, you know what? We need some texture. Like we need something to glue us together." And then Mark was in the center of the crowd. And he raised his hand and was like, I can do texture. This is a bit? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was a long bit. And then he came out and the audience flipped because the power violence fans knew what Mark Hoppus means to me. 
he's being like one of my musical idols who, if anything, the way that I start be, started being noticed as a comic was because I told a joke about him. And then the other audience was there. There was a ton of – I think it was a sold-out show because Mark had tweeted a photo saying he, he would be at the satellite oh my God, with it. me and Jonah in it. And um, the audience flipped and Buddy ran out into the audience and pushed all the tables and chairs out to the side like Buddy's like a bulldog. <laughs> and the audience all came to the front. And earlier in the night we had done a bit because Buddy had sex with a girl on tour. And we'd done a bit where we kept celebrating throughout the night that Buddy had had sex yeah. and balloons would fall. <laughs> so it just so happened that the whole room was filled with balloons, which made it very, like, beautiful, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we started playing and the audience was losing their mind and running on stage and jumping up and down. And Mark was, like, enjoying himself. And so was John and I. And then um, uh, Mark was like... Um, so who knows how we met Wit and everybody like already had known and they were like, cool, um, take it away, Wit. And I started playing I Miss You, oh my God. which is the song that yeah. like really came full circle. And then um, and then the audience was like, it was over. And then we started, we played Damn It. Jonah and I got Mark to play Damn It oh with my us. God. And then Allie came out and sang. And afterwards, Mark said, he was making jokes like I hadn't had my I haven't had to tune my own bass in 15 years. Oh but then God, I love it. Yeah. He also said like he hadn't seen the audience that close up in a very long time. Yeah, because it's a it seats like 250 people or something. And then um, it was cool because there was like Blink fans who had been to every show, who he was like, oh yeah, that's Diego from San Diego, and like getting to see Blink, Blink's Mark. Hoppus that close was probably really exciting yeah. and the whole time my heart was just like it's like probably the best night of my whole life is playing that night when was this um last may i think last this may no may 2015 oh my god there's like photos of me and i just I'm like dying i'm so happy i mean you move to los angeles and all of this happens you figure out i don't know this is like power violence the shows like this you meet your hero you play on stage with I mean, it's crazy it's a beautiful yeah, it's thing pretty cool. it's yeah. funny when clay and i were 18 we started trying to make a short film called power violence in a room full of dancers yeah. <laughs> which was just like a funny and stupid idea and i think it's really funny to like kind of look at all the things we've done that have been under the kind of name power violence since then it's been pretty um you know, pretty cool. I think I look at my life all the time and I'm like, it's it's weird. Yeah. That I'm like sitting backstage with this person or I'm getting to do this, you know? Ten years from now, where do you think you will be? The three of you. The three of us. Hopefully I'll be physically peaking. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, it couldn't get better I... than it is right now. Keep going. I don't know where I would be. I just want to I just want to be making cool shit that like makes me feel good. You know, I don't want to feel any resentment or jealousy. That's where I'd like to be. Are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. I mean, it's a weird time. You know, I'm just now single and like I do feel like sometimes empty and I feel like there's like this fear. I don't know if I can fall in love or whatever. You know what I mean? I have this. I don't know if I want to fall in love and I don't know if I can. And 
and it's uh, something that I think about all the time since I've been single because when you're in a relationship, even if you're not truly in love, it's some for some reason that feeling is replaced with like this um, kind of security or something. It's like a duty. Yeah, yeah. And so that's just something that I have been thinking about since I've been single. You know, when I was first single, I was having so much fun. And then I shot a movie for a long time and came back to reality and was like, "Uh uh-oh, I have to deal with all of these feelings. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, Have you ever been in love? Yeah. You have been. So you know that you've felt it before. Yeah, but I haven't felt heartbreak since my breakup when I was 22. I was like, um, I haven't felt those extreme feelings. And the reason that I felt that heartbreak is because when we broke up, it was fine. But then she started dating somebody who I really admired. And like that really broke my heart. And but since then, I haven't felt like I haven't felt enough. I feel like as far as that goes, like. And I wonder if it's because I'm not allowing myself to or if I'm only being with people who don't make me feel that way. And I, I so part of me wants to if I, I want to feel like scared of those kind of feelings again, like I did in high school. Oh, God, that's no, that's the only kind of love I feel like is worth having is that teenage passionate like. I lo- like, yeah, but, well, but da- also balance with adults. I don't even something. know if it's that because my dad said when he met my mom, he was 33 and he said, I knew the next day that I was going to bury her and stuff really? like that. So I wonder, I don't think it's an age thing. I just think it's um, kind of like a human experience thing. Like, Oh, I don't think it's an age thing. I just mean like I want that uh, that uh, oh, teenage yeah, yeah. passion, like the essence of that, like that thing where, because I've, I don't know, I've, da- I've dated so many people where I'm like, uh, okay, we're doing this and on paper it's all fine, but it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, this, what is this? Yeah. What is it? And I still feel emotional about those things. Some it makes me. I don't know. It's like even that's emotional to me. Like trying things on it, not working out. Because I think what I do is I, I, I get disappointed in myself. I feel like I failed something, or I don't know. Or maybe I, I don't know. I don't know what my point is here. But uh, yeah, like getting in and out of things and trying to extricate myself from things. It's just like all like I'm. I feel like I'm done feeling for a moment. Like I want to like just like. Mm-hmm. Get away from that and only focus on myself. But uh, maybe that's what I need to do too. But that's what you. Uh, oh, you were in the thing. You're done. No, I don't know. It seems like you're. I'm, this is my experience. This is what I'm doing. I'm yeah. just. Yeah, just a habitual searching for some like love because I do love love so much. But uh, yeah. Oh, I noticed. Here's something. I'm just gonna say. The other day, I was so exhausted putting on that show that you did. That th- th- thank you for doing that again. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I was so exhausted and maybe never – I don't know how you'd put on a monthly show. And you said you did Power Violence for like – it was a weekly show at one point. Mm-hmm. I mean, didn't that stress you out? Or you have a producer. Joe produces it for you. No, Joe doesn't do. I okay, mean, whatever. He said he was the producer. I don't know. Joe, <laughs> Joe comes to the show okay. when it is there and he lights the comedians and he's like a nice person who like is okay. very wel- welcoming and warm. But I, I book it and kind of we come up with the bits that we're going to do and I promote it mostly and – yeah. Um, it was very stressful it is. when it was every week. But at the beginning, I didn't care because I was new. Yeah. And then as other things started happening, it became like impossible stressful. And then uh, and then now that it's at the new theater, the new venue, it's it's not as stressful, but it's still stressful now because we have to worry about selling tickets. Oh, yeah. And we can't piss the satellite off. And we're kind of the only show there that doesn't like two wet crew has. Uh, they do a show at the satellite, but they have um, 
kind of like a built-in thing, and so does um, um, uh, Neil Hamburger. Yeah. And then power violence is kind of... We always have a great turnout, but I don't know if we do have a... The satellite told us that we do have a built-in you thing. You do. But I don't know. Oh, you do. But uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I really respect it because I can't, like... I try to do one thing a year, and, like, trying to do that thing the other day, I was just like, holy shit. But uh, I was so tired at the end of it, and I was so low blood sugar and just exhausted. And then you texted me, like... Hey, stay yourself. And I was like, and I was like, okay, old me is gonna wants to send him this weak and secure text. Don't do it. And then I went because I was just so low blood sugar. And I was like, because you're like, keep being you. I said, stay cool and be stay yourself. Stay cool and be yourself. And then I went, no, I'm so tired. I need to play into my old behavior. And so I texted, I texted Wit back. I wrote. Was I not myself? Like, like totally the most insecure, like worst way to take his total casual, like, and I knew what I was doing when I did it, but I sent it to you anyway because I was like, because I'm in this weird position in my life where it's like, I got my breath stuff, I got my look in the mirror and I got my insecure. That's like old me. Then there's the new version of me. I, and I'm right now, I'm in the middle where I go, well, I've done that for so long, been insecure, question myself, uh, take things the worst way, need approval, need blah, blah. And I've been going in the direction now where I'm, I'm not being that way, but it's so uncomfortable because it feels way more comfortable to send you a text to be like, was I not myself? Is everything okay? Everyone not like, so I, I don't, I don't know if I'm expressing this correctly, but uh, it's like, that's, that's the zone I've hit. That's what I noticed about myself that night where I had to like, when I was doing that show, I was like, is everybody having a good time? I hope everybody's happy. I hope everybody's having a good time. I hope this show is exactly what a show is supposed to be like and I'm not making them, they're not mad at me and they're having a good time. And then another, and then because these uh, meditation podcast uh, conversations I've been listening to, I tapped into that and I just went, this is what it is. Yeah. This is it. Relax. This is what it is. But I, all the thoughts exist in my brain. And then so, and then at the end I was like, I wasn't disappointed in myself because I sent you that text and I, I saw my behavior and I knew what I was doing. But I was just like, I'm so lazy. I'm just going to be old me right now. I'm just like, and then Brent saw me do that and went, why'd you do that? And I went, I don't know. I'm just like, he's like, you know, he didn't mean that. I'm like, I know, but I'm just like old. It's like when a girl dates a guy who beats her all the time. Mm -hmm. And then she starts dating a nice guy, even though it's better to be with a nice guy. She's like, it's probably uncomfortable because she's like, he's so nice. That's what happened with my ex-girlfriend. Except she wasn't beat. But um, yeah, no, what I've learned doing, and it's a, it's a show. It's like a producing a show feeling is that feeling. Oh, is what I felt. Yeah, yeah. Is no one cares? Okay. At all? Okay. No one cares. I found <laughs> that nobody, everybody, everybody, isn't everybody? Nobody cares. Nobody performers cares. performers and the audience. No, I used to be like, and I still am guilty of this. The other night, I was guilty of it. Uh, my friend Emily was at a show, and I stood next to her for a long time, and I didn't say hi. And then I fucking texted her like an idiot later, and was like, "Hey, sorry, I didn't say hi." And she was like, "I don't give a shit." <laughs> I'm like. Oh, yeah. Why would you? No one cares. Like, no one gives a fuck. And if they do... It's about them. Then they... Yeah, it's all about them. And they don't realize that you're flustered and running around. And uh, you got to give a person the benefit of the doubt if they're, like, putting themselves out on the line like that. Hosting a comedy show is, like, impossible and so hard. It's so stressful. And it's so much more stressful than anything because you... You need the audience to be. Ha- it's like, oh, oh that's oh, you know, how do we do it? I like picked up the chairs at noon that day to like load them in, load them out. I was like, sweat. I'm like, oh my god, ah. but uh, but yeah, but it's funny though because now we're talking about yeah, nobody cares, 
But all these thoughts exist, mm-hmm. and it's a constant life battle. Like 10 years from now, I'm sure these thoughts will still come in, maybe less and few and far between. But it's a human thing to have the thoughts, but then it's like how we deal with the thoughts. Like they come in, and you let them pass, and maybe you don't act out, and I don't text the person. Like, what was I not myself? Like, ridiculous. Like, I knew not to send that, and I did it anyway because it's habitual, insecure, old Whatever, but it's even nice to hear you saying that you can relate because oh, I def- talking I about it makes it lighter and shines I a light used on to it. Like, I still do. I have to like listen to something in order to trick myself to fall asleep because if I don't, then I'll start to think about all of the last things I said to people, and I go like, "Oh my god, I'm terrible." Or That's like, what I do. I was like, "What was I doing there?" And so now I have to like watch South Park so I can fall asleep. But listen, that's like. I wonder if this is just a performer thing or a person who puts themselves out there in the world, like, or is it is every human being do this? I, I doubt it's. I doubt it's everybody. You know, I doubt it's like anyway. But um, that's why I have to remember my tools. Like you say, skateboarding, and I've got to like. I mean, I don't meditate. I talk about meditating. I'm I'm uh, on the precipice of potentially maybe uh, taking a foray into meditating. But uh, you know, I need to walk. I need to like. I need to mm-hmm. walk for an hour and just like be connected in the world alone, but like among a bunch of people because it makes and then it gets. So it's walking, reading, listening to podcasts. So I need all my tools, and then it gets me out of my own way. So I have to remember those things. But yeah, or else I'll fucking fall into that habitual like, what was that look? Oh my god, are we okay? Oh my god, what is it? It's like, but that shit is real. And then you have to like, and it is a lifelong thing. And you can't be hard on yourself for being that way either. It's yeah. a weird thing. Anyway, listen, I do need to land this goddamn plane. But I, oh my god. Anyway, thank you, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm happy I got to do it. Will you ever come back? <laughs> I'll come back tomorrow. And that's what I thought. Oh my goodness. Bye. Bye. <laughs> now leaving nerdist.com.